any number there are of them, can ruin thousands of people's trips, holidays and so on. A Luton teenager will appear before magistrates later charged with possession of a sawn-off shotgun. 18-year-old Rashan Malcolm of Dewsbury Road was arrested on Tuesday morning. He's also charged with possession of an imitation firearm in Thrales Close in Marsh Farm on May the 31st. A Devon man who was attacked by runaways from a children's home in 2004 is attempting to sue the now defunct Bedfordshire County Council for damages. A High Court judge has heard the case and will announce his decision within the next four weeks. Inspectors have warned that clever children are being let down by many of England's state schools. Ofsted says that figures from last year show that two-thirds of pupils who got top marks at age 11 failed to go on to get the best GCSE grades. The Chief Inspector of Schools, Sir Michael Wilshaw, said he was shocked by the findings. Expectations are not high enough for our most able pupils and we've got to make sure that leaders of our schools and teachers in our schools have higher expectations of what they can do. There's too much coasting, too much wasted time in years 7, 8 and 9 and then these youngsters find it difficult to speed up and catch up. A survey's found that a third of honeybee colonies in England didn't survive the winter. The British Beekeepers Association says the figures reflect the poor weather last summer, which prevented bees from getting enough nutrition to see them through the winter months. In sport, the British and Irish Lions head coach Warren Gatland has named his starting 15 to face New South Wales Waratahs in Sydney on Saturday. Winger Simon Zebo makes his first appearance of the tour, while captain Sam Warburton will lead the site. The weather, cloudy and windy today with scattered showers this afternoon and a top temperature of 19 degrees Celsius, that's six Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Catherine? Yeah. Say hello to my colleague Justin. Hiya Justin. Hi, good morning. Justin, this is Catherine. Oh, lovely. You know the, the um, girl upstairs? In the red dress. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't, this is her. Is it her, really? Yeah. Oh, lovely. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. maybe not. Listen, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I've just popped outside to get something from my car. It's a nice day out there. I kind of sat in this... Can we do the show from the car park one day? Let's do it from the car park, because it's nice, it's bright. Justin was out there having a cup of coffee. I was envious. I'm stuck in this tiny box. I have no idea what it's like. It's daytime out there, for goodness sakes. We'll do a show from the car park. That'll be fun. Ooh, I won't do that at all. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including the debate on how to stop dangerous dog attacks is going to be discussed in the House of Commons again today. We're always having this debate. But isn't there a simpler solution? Shouldn't all dogs be muzzled? All of them. Even the tiny little yappy ones are the worst. We'll also be talking about the chaos that French air traffic controllers have been causing for travellers in the UK. And yesterday I was in a shop and I had... It wasn't the worst customer service I've ever had by quite a long stretch of the imagination. It was just rudeness and it, it left me feeling... Well, it happened about 12 o'clock yesterday and this morning when I woke up it was the first thing that sprang to mind. Oh, that, that rude woman in that shop. I'd like to hear your stories of bad customer service, please. I know it's kind of a staple of these types of show, but I'm just in that kind of angsty mood about it. Lots of ways to get in touch, of course. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text... 81333, start your text 3CR. The best way, look, no, the, the switchboard is clear this morning. Who's going to be the first caller of the day? 
08459 455 555. You win a medal, you don't. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Today, MPs will again debate an issue that we just can't seem to solve. Dog attacks. Dog attacks, even. The Environment, Food and Rural Affairs Committee will repeat their recent warnings to ministers that the government must bring forward wider measures to tackle out-of-control dogs. Well, since 2007, nine people, including six children, have died as a result of dog attacks, and the annual cost to the NHS of treating injuries is around £3 million. Well, earlier this week, news came out that eight assistance dogs are also attacked each month. Well, how do we control the problem? I've got a solution for you. Muzzle all dogs. Our dog correspondent, Justin Daly, is in the studio. Justin, the MPs, the media and the public keep talking about this because we keep seeing these high-profile cases. Mm. But what's happening today? Well, this committee of MPs, the Environment, Food and Rural Affairs Committee, will again uh, raise its concerns that the government's not doing enough, quickly enough, to actually get hold of this issue. It appears this is the sticking point, and you won't be surprised here, uh, the cost of implementing any measures to reduce the likelihood of attacks by dogs. Uh, there are, of course, have been several high-profile tragedies recently. Uh, 14-year-old Jane Anderson was killed by five dogs. You spoke about that at the time. Uh, Whilst visiting a friend's house, um, four of the dogs believed to be bull mastiffs and Staffordshire bull terriers, they were shot by the police and nine people, including six children, have died as a result of dog dog attacks since, what, 2007? The debate rages in the aftermath of these incidents, but we don't appear to be any nearer to preventing such attacks. I do hate this. Oh, yeah, it would would cost too much money. Hang on a minute. If it saves one kiddie's life... You're talking about a life. You cannot put, you know, a price on somebody's life, can you? Uh, if you speak to different people, you get different solutions. Uh, but you've been compa- uh, canvassing opinion on one idea, why every dog should be muzzled, which yeah. I think makes perfect sense now. We're going to be talking to more dog owners a bit later about this, but um, this is Ted. He was out yesterday with Dylan, and I put that question to him, should all dogs be muzzled? Was Dylan the dog? Dylan was the dog, yes. Thank you. No, it, really, it's not dogs, it's owners. I mean, if you if you've got a dog and it's a little bit aggressive, you've got to, you've got to put a muzzle on it. If I thought forever that he was going to attack another dog, let alone a human, I'd muzzle him. Well, I wouldn't have him in the first place. So he's shown no signs of aggression whatsoever. Never, never, ever, no. I mean, has Dylan been attacked here in Luton? He's had a couple of dogs growl at him and put him on the floor, but of course I've been with him, so there's been no harm come, you know. And the dogs that have attacked him, what breeds have they been? Well, there was the one with an Indian fella was two staffs. One was went to attack him and he got hold of him and then another one was in the park and he said he had no control on him, he didn't know where he was and he was hiding in the bushes but as it was, I got him on the lead and I shot off out. I mean, you're saying that all dogs shouldn't be muzzled but, but again, Staffordshire Bull Terriers keep on coming up when we talk about these things. Should all Staffies be muzzled then? Well, I am pit bulls, I think, yeah. And you're convinced here that Dylan, as lovely as he may be today, would never attack another dog no. or another human being? Yeah, I'll use smack him. Just, I'm no, not going to smack him. No, you just, you just <laughs> smack him. Like, I'm not going to smack him. No, honestly. It's a nice offer, but no thanks. I mean, you can put your hand in his mouth, yeah. anything. He's as good as good. I'll stroke him. There you go, he Dylan. I'll stroke him. He seems like a lovely dog. Well, listen, yeah. I appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. So, was that gentleman asking you to smack mm. his dog to he prove was. he's not a violent dog? Yeah. I can put his hand in his mouth or anything. And then he, I heard a growl. <laughs> <laughs> but is that just a typical dog owner being naive? But look at Dylan. He's such a lovely dog. He wouldn't hurt anybody. Yes, I will smack him. And then suddenly my arm gets taken off. Are you with me? <laughs> I've never... 
I've got to say, that's one of the best foxes about dogs. Go on, smack him. Yeah. Go on. No, I'm not going <laughs> to. Smack him. I'm not going to. Smack the dog! No, thank you. I'll stroke him. What changes are MPs proposing to update the 1991 dangerous dogs legislation? Well, MPs are set to extend the legislation to make a tax on private land the same as a tax on public land. And it would not only be an offence to own a dangerous dog in a public place, but also it will be against the law to keep a dangerous dog on public property. That's um, very, very interesting what, what's being said there. Um, these aspects tighten up the current laws, but some MPs, they see this as a missed opportunity. Anne McIntosh, uh, she chairs the Environment, Food and Rural Affairs Committee and has backed calls from other MPs for the introduction of dog control orders. Now, they currently exist in Scotland. They're very specific, though. They relate to a specific dog in a specific area, which helps target irresponsible owners. And, of course, they would, again, going back to your earlier point, cost money to implement. Oh, forget money. Kitties are dying. I know. Guide dogs are being attacked. I know. We by saw these that this week. Yeah, vicious report. little things. I suppose they're probably cheaper solutions, aren't they? Well, you know, back in 2012, an e-petition was started calling for all dogs to be muzzled. Now, that wouldn't cost a lot of money. You, no. you buy a muzzle for your dog and you go out and it's not going to cost much. But, of course, there is going to be some support for that, but not from all dog owners. You've heard there from Ted with Dylan. Slap my dog. He's saying no. Nope. <laughs> Slap uh, my dog yeah. up. Uh, only for certain breeds. He's saying for pit bulls and for Staffordshire Bull Terriers. But you look at the tamer breeds. You look at some of these smaller dogs. Do they really need to be muzzled? Yes. When would they be required to wear the muzzle? Well, as soon as they leave the house in the park yeah you know where do you start jack russell's things? they're the little ones aren't they? jack yeah. russell's are vicious little thugs <laughs> they're horrible they're horrible <laughs> and they snap and they bite and they're disgusting creatures i there is an argument for for putting muzzles on staffies of course there is of course they're, they're if you own one of them really i haven't got the time of day some are nice though aren't they Come no some are. No, not, not at all. A lot of, of bad dogs are down to the owners. And in actual fact, you talk about costs. Well, yeah. uh, the cost of the National Health Service for treating dog attacks injuries is around £3 million. So we can talk about, obviously, spending money on, on coming up with ideas, coming up with a new law, but, but that figure, £3 million. And eight guide dogs and hundreds of, of livestock are attacked each month as well. Right, make it illegal to breed staffies and bull terriers and things like that. Muzzle all dogs. Problem solved. And do you honestly think that, that our listeners with dogs would be happy for, for them to, to walk out with their lovely dog with a muzzle on? Well, if they don't... Is it, is it going they, a bit too far? No, it's not going too far, Justin. I, I, if, they're, if they're not happy to do that, then they, shouldn't, they haven't got the intelligence to own a dog. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. It makes perfect sense, and you know it makes perfect sense. Make it illegal to breed staffies, muzzle every single dog. Every single dog. That way there's no problem. The tiny ones bite as well. 08459 455 555.
08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. All dogs should be muzzled, shouldn't they? Of course, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense to do something like that. You can go to Facebook as well. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. All moving fine on the road so far today. We haven't had any accidents reported into the studio and all looking pretty good on the cameras and the speed sensors. They're still doing some roadworks in High Wycombe. You'll find some temporary traffic lights along the A404 because of electricity work near Gerald's Road. They're hoping to have it finished tomorrow, but for the meantime, the works continue. Uh, further along the A404, along Marlow Hill, again near to High Wycombe, southbound, there's a lane closed off for works near Dawes Hill Lane. If you're going to be driving into Aylesbury, temporary lights along the A41 at Berrylands, they're still doing the works there. All moving well in Stevenage this morning, but we have got roadworks down North Road around the junction with Granby Road. And if you're travelling by rail, tubes and trains all looking good so far today. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. Right, it's 6.16. It's where are we now? Thursday? Yes, I think so. The 13th of June. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A group of MPs is calling for the government to tighten up the rules on dog ownership in a bid to stop attacks by dangerous dogs. A Luton teenager will appear before magistrates in the town today charged with possession of a sawn-off shotgun. In sport, the British and Irish Lions have named a strong side to face New South Wales Waratahs in Sydney on Saturday. Coming up, there's a call for the EU Commission to remove air traffic controllers' right to strike. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Tackling your consumer problems. Sylvie wasn't happy with the quality of her telephone line. Kate's having problems with her leaky garage roof. The JVS Show. Five times they've not turned up for the appointment. I've still got the leak, which is obviously getting worse. Fighting for your rights. I went to speak to your telephone company and I said, look, what on earth is going on? The JVS Show. Have they managed to fix the problem with the internet? Yeah, it's fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Really, it could not, well, it would not have happened without your intervention. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the same. Same for you. It took one phone call from yourselves, whereas I've been trying for over six months. The JVS Show, weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Marion's in Luton. Morning, Marion. Good morning, Ian. How are you this morning? You're right. Yes, not it's, too bad. It's Thank a you. nice day out there today. Is it? I've, well, I'm still sitting on the edge of the bed, and I oh. just put your the radio on and uh, heard what you were saying about these dangerous dogs. Go on. What do you think? Well, I, as I told your receptionist just yes, now, yes. on Tuesday evening, about yes. quarter past six, my husband went for a walk. And he was walking up by the um, petrol station by the travel lodge at Halfway Avenue. And a couple of people were coming towards him with a dog on a lead between the two of them. And he walked out on towards to get off the path to avoid them. Yeah. And with that, the dog uh, attacked him, set his teeth in his left thigh. Ooh. And um, anyway, we got him over to the A&E and uh, they sorted it out for him. But um, what happened, there was three people there. They've each given their names and telephone numbers, which we've reported to the police. And uh, he asked for their name. Well, she, the, apparently the lady said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm ever so sorry. 
So he asked for their name. Oh, no, we're not giving you our name. And he just, they just walked up around Halfway Avenue. So did he not get their names in the end? No, they wouldn't give it. What kind of dog was it, Marion? Well, he said he thought it was a bulldog yeah. or one of the, a mastiff. It's around about that sort of uh, type of dog, I would imagine. Horrible things. Yes. Horrible, horrible things. Yes. Just to stop, make it illegal to breed those, yes. I would suggest. How, did it puncture his skin? Yes, it has. He's got two puncture wounds in his mm. left thigh. Did he have to have a jab? Well, it, we, um, they did say about it, and we went over yesterday morning to our doctors because we were just a year out of our both tetanus. Mm. So we've had that anyway, and he's the on an antibiotic at the moment. Oh, dear. It means he can't have a drink every now and then, can he? <laughs> uh, not, not suggesting he's for a second. He's years old, Ian. How old is he? 80. Oh, and, oh, that's no good, is it? No. You don't want 80-year-old men getting attacked by dogs? Well, not anybody, really, no. is it? Not whatever age it is. A bit of a shock as well, I'd imagine, it was. for him. It did shake him up quite a lot, yeah. yes. The obvious solution, Marion, we, we stop allowing people to breed the, the mastiffs and things like that, and we just muzzle all dogs. Yes, exactly. Even the tiny ones, because the That's tiny right. ones can nip as well. They can nip a tob- toddler's hand. Exactly. Well, I've said to him, each time he goes out, he takes a walking stick. What, to give him a whack? <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. Or, or just to sort of push it away, whatever happens. The thing was, I mean, if they'd got it on a the lead, they obviously weren't in control of it, were they? No, not in the slightest. Marion, well, listen, I, 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 thank you for calling, and I wish you and your husband the best of luck. 80-year-old men getting attacked by dogs. And those horrible, scummy people didn't give the, their names and their phone numbers. Shame on them. Well, the solution is simple. You make it illegal to breed mastiffs and bull terriers and all these horrible little dogs like that, and... You put muzzles on the rest. All dogs wear muzzles. Simple. You couldn't disagree with that, could you? 08459 455 555. You can text me 81333. Start your text 3CR. We'll speak more. Oh, the Eagles. Oh, now there's a band who likes to take a lot of drugs.
stares out at the stars up in the sky Another night, it's gonna be a long one She draws a shade and hangs her head to cry A major operator at Luton Airport is calling for the EU Commission to remove air traffic controllers' right to strike after recent industrial action in France disrupted hundreds of flights. Ryanair says it's unfair that thousands of passengers have had their plans disrupted as a result of Europe being held to ransom by a tiny number of French air traffic controllers. They were striking against EU plans to create a single European airspace. Well, controllers say these changes will affect public safety and their working conditions. Professor Gregor Goll is an expert in industrial relations at the University of Bradford and is also a visiting professor at the University of Hertfordshire. Good morning, Professor. Do you think air traffic controllers should have the right to strike? Uh, Yes, I do, personally. Um, But for those that are against um, having uh, this group of workers without the right to strike, there needs to be some alternative given to them. And the most common form of that would be uh, a form of compulsory arbitration. The reason I say that is that if you take away the right to strike from a group of workers, it doesn't necessarily uh, mean that they won't strike. They just wouldn't strike in a legal fashion. So you'd actually have the same problem unless you give them an alternative by which they can resolve their grievances. So what, instead of actually not turning up for work, they'd work to rule or something like that? Well, yes, I mean... uh, In most countries, there is a a procedure by which a strike must go through or the preparations for a strike must go through in order to be lawful. Now, if you take that uh, that ability away or that that structure, it doesn't stop people from going on strike. They just simply won't turn up for work and you have the same problem. But it's probably more intractable to solve because uh, there is no mechanism by which you can get around the table to solve it. The French and the Greeks are always, the aviation staff are always seemingly on strike, aren't they? There's, well, I wouldn't say always on strike. Clearly, you can get into those countries. Well, that's maybe a slight exaggeration. Yes, yes, yes you're right. Point. Um, and th- yes, you're, you're right. The observation is correct in as much as they are much more prone to go on strike. And there's a number of reasons for that. Ironically, in France, for example, union membership is much, much lower than it is in Britain. But they have different uh, traditions of protest. They are more likely to, if you like, walk first and talk later. They are more likely to go out into the streets and mobilise 
and disrupt traffic in the centre of cities and so on. So they have different traditions. But I think what's also important to note is that even although union membership is lower in some of these countries, when you talk about specific groups of workers, uh, they have actually quite a, a high degree of leverage. So air traffic controllers, um, airline pilots, railway workers and so on. In, in any form of transport or communication, very small groups of workers have a great deal of power. Am I right that in the 80s, the, the air traffic control staff all went on strike in America and um, President Reagan just sacked them all? He did, that's right. This is the 1981 strike uh, where the professional air traffic controllers organisation, PACTO, uh, organised a strike. There was about 13,000 air traffic controllers went on strike and they were sacked. The key thing to hear is that they were replaced by the military. The military had their own air traffic controllers. Uh, now, <clears throat> that was a defining uh, event in the, in the first Reagan presidency and it set the tone later on for what would happen in the United States in terms of the deregulation and, and Reaganism. If you were to have the same thing happen in a European country, I think the, the situation is it might bring down a government because it's such a, uh, such a conflict of such magnitude that um, some governments wouldn't be able to withstand the consequences of their actions. So the United States is a bit, is a bit different to a European country. And final question, while these staff, Professor, do have the right to strike, there are thousands of people who have been inconvenienced, uh, put out of pocket, who are, who are stranded because of this strike. Is that fair to affect ordinary men and women? Uh, well, I'm sure it must be very annoying if you're going on holiday or you're trying to get back, but the bigger picture is that the issues behind this strike are to do with the attempt by the European Commission to save money, to centralise air traffic control, and the worry of the staff that have been on strike is that when you actually have fewer centres, fewer air traffic control centres controlling the movement of the planes, then it's more likely to create the possibility of, of, of crashes, essentially, and so I think if people think of the bigger picture, they might see that this action actually is in their long-term interest, even if they are uh, a bit annoyed about it in the short term. Professor, a uh, fascinating chat. I appreciate the time this morning. Professor Gregor Gull, expert in industrial relations, visiting professor at the University of Hertfordshire. If you've been affected by the, uh, the, the French air traffic control strikes, do give me a call. Maybe you're planning a little cheeky uh, couple of days away in, in Paris, something romantic. Or maybe you've got someone who's stuck over there. 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Things still moving really well on most of the major routes at the moment. All looking clear on the M25, even through the roadworks section. Looking at the cameras around there, traffic's moving pretty nicely. Got no delays really on any of the approaches to the M25 yet this morning either. So M1, A1M and even as you come in on the M40, it's all moving pretty nicely. And as for the routes through towns and cities, well, it's a little bit busy in Berkhamstead. This is because of some temporary traffic lights along Ravens Road around the junction with Millfield. But it's nothing that important really. Traffic's getting past it okay. High Street in Charlfont St Peter, they're still doing roadworks around the A413 junction. And looking at the trains and tubes, it's been a good start to the day because we've got no problems or delays reported. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thanks very much. Get more from you in 15 minutes. Now it's 6.30. News and sport. Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning.
Following the headlines, a group of MPs is calling for the government to tighten up the rules on dog ownership in a bid to stop attacks by dangerous dogs. A Luton teenager will appear before magistrates in the town today charged with possession of a sawn-off shotgun. And a Devon man who was attacked by runaways from a children's home in 2004 is attempting to sue the now-defunct Bedfordshire County Council for damages. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The British and Irish Lions have named a strong side to face New South Wales Waratahs in Sydney on Saturday. Winger Simon Zebo will make his Lions debut, while tour captain Sam Warburton leads the team. And after sitting out the midweek victory over a combined country 15, Warburton says he's raring to go. I always think the more games I have, the better I intend to play. It's a lot about getting your time in around the breakdown and in, in attack and defence. So the more games you play, um, you know, within reason, obviously, you know, the more you pick up a feel for the compact area and the speed of the game. So, um, yeah, looking forward to this Saturday. It was a good run out, I thought, last week. Good for the lungs and uh, looking forward to it. Cricket and Australia's stand-in captain George Bailey insists the incident involving David Warner punching England's Joe Root has been dealt with. The batsman's apologised to Root but was left out of Australia's Champions Trophy match against New Zealand yesterday which was abandoned because of rain. Warner's expected to face a disciplinary committee tomorrow and Bailey says his teammate is a valuable member of the side. I really enjoy playing cricket with him, love playing cricket with him. Love his enthusiasm, love his energy around the group, love the way he plays. You know, I wish I had the talent that he that he does. And he's, I think he's a particularly generous teammate, very giving. I'm looking forward to hopefully playing a lot more cricket with him in whatever career I have. Finally, football and Wickham Wanderers midfielder Matt Bloomfield says he's optimistic about being fit for the start of the season. Bloomfield missed most of the last campaign with a groin injury, but says he's now over the worst. I haven't been on holiday this year. I've been... I've been in the gym every day near enough um, since the season finished and you know it's come along really well I'm up and running again and I'm moving about pretty well and I'm pain free for the first time in a long time so I'm really chuffed with all that it's, uh, it's all moving along nicely And that's your latest news and sport more from me at 7 o'clock On FM, AM, online and digital radio This is Ian Lee On BBC Three Counties Radio Coming up in the next 30 minutes, naughty dogs. Let's just muzzle all of them, shall we? Make it illegal to breed staffies and bull terriers and all those horrible things. And just muzzle all dogs. All of them. Problem solved. 08459 455 555. I also want your um, uh, stories about bad service in shops. I had some service yesterday. It wasn't particularly bad. It wasn't the worst I've ever experienced. But it was enough... To make me think, oh dear, really? Is that the best you can do, love? I found it very upsetting. 08459 455 555. But on the subject of dogs, Trisha's in Luton. Good morning, Trisha. Good morning. Let's muzzle all dogs, shall we? No. Sorry? No. What? Muzzle the owners. Why? Because um, not all dogs are bad. I have two staffs. Mm. I've had one for 13 years. Yep. It was a rescue dog tied up on the motorway. So I think it should have been the owner that was tied up on the motorway. How do you tie it? What, just uh, in the lay-by, in the, uh, on the hard shoulder? Yes. And what, were you driving past and you found it, or did a rescue centre find no, it? No, my brother-in-law found it. So he's driving up the M1, yes. he sees a dog uh, just tied to things, he's right, I'm going to go and have that. Well, he went to rescue it, yes, he oh. was going to take it to a rescue centre, but because it was late at night, he bought it here. Oh, yes. We reported it to the police and everything, and we kept her. Right. We've now had her 13 years. And how many people has she attacked? None. Yet? Yeah, but she's now 13 years of age, but right. how many dogs have attacked her? Um, I, I don't. I don't have the statistics. Two? Yes. Right. One being a Labrador. Yep. And one being a Jack Russell. Well, uh, well they... 
thank you, Tricia. So you, you do agree with me. We should muzzle all dogs then. But we should also muzzle the owners. A lot of the owners don't but, got, haven't got hmm. things for the dogs to treat them properly. The, the, you're right. A lot of the owners don't have things for the dogs to treat them properly. But it's not the owners that go around biting people and, and other dogs, is it? No, but some of the owners actually train their dogs to go for people. I won't mention what sort, but yes, a lot of the youngsters have dogs and they train them to fight. What do you mean, what, what, what sort of dog you mean? All sorts of dogs, right. bull mastiffs, right. pit bulls, Staffordshire Bull Terriers are loyal. Oh yeah, they're, they're, but they're horrible as well, they're vicious things. Uh, you've, been lucky, you've been lucky with your girl, I would imagine. But that... I've now got another puppy dog. Oh dear. Another rescue dog, oh. who is only two. Yes. I've got granddaughters. Yep. I've got an 18-month-old granddaughter that absolutely pulls him to pieces. Now, I don't know his full background. Well, you, then, Tricia, Tricia, permission to speak for it. What's, what is this second dog that your 18-month-old granddaughter pulls to pieces? Another Staffordshire Bull Terrier. Tricia? Yeah? That's really irresponsible. It's not irresponsible. Of course it is. You can't let an 18-month-old play with a dog like that. Why can't I? Because you, you, haven't, you say you don't know the dog's background. You've got no idea what that dog's going to do. I the dog. How could oh, it right? No, you, it's the same with the thirteen-year-old dog. She pulls her to pieces as well. It's not just my granddaughter. I've had children in and out my house. Okay, I I've suspect had family barbecues I where sus- there's been lots of children. Lovely, me too. I suspect that your thirteen-year-old has been traumatised by um, being tied to a motorway. The, the, she doesn't like a dog lead much now. So you just let her run around without a lead. In the house and in the garden, but when I take her over to the park, she's on a leave. But Tricia, you cannot, you cannot let an 18-month-old pull a two-year-old bull mastiff to pieces no, because you, you cannot. Bull right, a staff, Staffordshire bull terrier. You can't do that because you, the animal has an instinct, and if that dog pulls its tail or sticks its finger where it's not meant to, it could turn around and snap like that. You just don't no, know. No, I do know. How I know my dog. You don't People know. Do know their dogs. It's two years old. You said you don't know its background. How do you know? I don't know its full background, but I've had him now for 18 months. So he knows us, he knows the family. If he was gone to another house where he was ill-treated or where he was allowed to fight and bark and growl at people, then fine. But he doesn't. She picks his tennis ball up and throws it for him. He runs and takes it. Oh, I've and just got the. He brings it back for her. I've just got the image in my head of what a, what a dog like that could do to an eighteen-month-old Trisha. But what could, what could a Labrador do as well? Well, or you, you a haven't. Poodle. You haven't Poodles got, are nasty dogs. But you haven't got a Labrador or a Poodle, have you? You've got no, that. But I, have, I have had a, a, other dogs in the past. Trisha, where are you? It's, is it raining heavily where you are? No. What's that noise? It's the motorway oh. at the back. Oh, I see. I'm okay. now standing in my back garden with the dog. Okay. Well, listen, I, I, I wish you the best of luck. I pray that nothing happens to your 18-month-old. I've got to say, Tricia, thank you for calling. Oh, it makes me feel uncomfortable. That sounds a little bit irresponsible to me. Let an 18-month-old pulling a dog like that, playing with a dog like that. James is in Milton Keynes. Morning, James. Good morning, Ian. How are you doing? I'm, I feel a little bit anxious after that last call. Did you ever have a dog? Uh, I had a cocker spaniel. And how, how was it with you? Did it ever bite you or maul you? It didn't maul me, but yeah, of course, they, they bite and they nip. It's yeah, a hunting well, dog. If we, I, I, my, I've got a large dog, and my four-year-old can walk the dog. Obviously, uh, I'm a responsible owner, it's supervised, and you never leave a dog unattended with any small child anyway as a responsible human. But 
if we're going for statistics and you're saying, let's say, every dog be muzzled and we want to kind of tar every dog with the same brush. No, we want to protect we... all of our children. That's what we... I don't want to tar every oh. dog with the same brush. I want to protect all of our children. OK, let's protect all our children. Yeah. And muzzle every dog. Yeah. Can we also castrate every BBC presenter as well, just in case? Oh, James, very poor argument. Very, well, well, very well, poor well, argument to compare to compare to, to compare to compare people who work with the BBC with with Jimmy Savile. Is a, is a very very poor argument, James? Or for every, goodness' every, sakes. Or every every celebrity. Every oh, male James, celebrity. is that the, if that's the best you've got? Then you, you, <laughs> is that really the best you've got? <laughs> I just say we're going to protect. Oh, jog on, jog on. If they, 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 listen, I'm up for a serious debate about this. I'm not going to do some nonsense like that. I'm sorry, James. I'm not having any of that. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. There is an easy solution. We muzzle all dogs. And does anybody feel a little bit uncomfortable with that, that call before the, the James, who we spoke to, is ridiculous? An 18-month-old playing with a dog like that makes me feel very, very uncomfortable, I'm afraid. 08459 455 555. And try and do it a little bit better than James. That was very, very poor. Yeah, looking back over my shoulder, I can see that look in your eyes. I never dreamed it could be over. I never wanted to say. Oh. 
this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. In a few minutes, I will tell you my encounter in a shop yesterday. It... When you hear it, right, it's not the biggest story in the world. It was enough, though, to make me mutter under my breath. And it was the first thing I thought about this morning when I woke up. So it's not a huge thing, but it's a, it's a little customer service thing. I just thought, oh, for goodness sakes, really. Front pages of the newspapers, the Times. Look at those crazy monks. Oh, and look what the Times has done. Thank you, the Times. Hey, hey, we're the monks. Yeah, that's right. Well done, Times. Hey, hey, we're the monks. They've just landed a record deal with Decker. Now the Giotto monks have been invited to perform at the Glastonbury Festival. I've got a problem with monks. Yeah, I've got a problem with monks, Buddhist monks and Shaolin monks, because I I have. They annoy me. I interviewed some Shaolin monks uh, once, many, many years ago, on on a live television programme. They're the ones that do all the... All the kung fu and stuff, right? And they said, right, what we're going to do is we're going to lay you on a bed of nails during this live interview. Being on a bed of nails is easy. It's easy. They're really sharp. They are very sharp. But because of the way your weight's distributed, as long as you lie down in one go, uh, it doesn't hurt at all. Fine. And in rehearsal, oh yeah, it's fine. Yeah, on live TV, these monks got a bit sweaty and a bit nervous, so they didn't lay me all in one go on the bed of nails. They dropped me on the bed of nails. It pierced my flesh. Yeah, on live TV. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, it's funny. Oh, it's not funny, monks. What you've done is abuse. I had a bloody shoulder. I'm not swearing. My shoulder was literally bloody because of those monks. So that's why I've got a little thing about monks. The Independent. Uh, a football player has been accused of tax fraud. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't have no idea who that man is. And Furiate hunts U-turn on child heart units. Uh, campaigners warn lives are at risk as Health Secretary suspends rationalisation plan. The Guardian. Oh, that's a good picture, isn't it? Uh, living history returns to Yorkshire. The locomotive great Marcus pulls the Felsman train over the Ribblehead Viaducts. Am I saying real words? In North Yorkshire, on its first trip of the summer season. Basically, it's an old-fashioned steam train going over a lovely old bridge. Um, and uh, RBS boss forced out as bank clears decks for privatisation. Let's do the Telegraph, and then we'll do the rest later on. Um... How bad doctors can hide failings. League tables turn to farce as it emerges that surgeons will be allowed to opt out. And here's uh, Matt, the cartoonist for The Telegraph, has got his own u- usual sideways glance at the news. Let's have a look. There's a picture of a gentleman in a hospital bed. He's had stitches. A nurse is looking at him and the caption is, the surgeon thinks he might have left his gagging order inside you. <laughs> I don't actually get it. I don't... I don't get it. Well done, Matt. Excellent stuff. We'll have a look at the Express uh, and the Mail and the Sun a little bit later on, but it's 6.46. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting to slow on the M25 anti-clockwise as traffic joins the motorway near the M1 junction. From junction 21 round to 19 at Watford, it's starting to look busy. Traffic going into London is already starting to slow on the A1 through Boreham Wood. Stirling Corner down to Mill Hill Circus. Not solid queues yet, but definitely getting busy. All the other major routes, though, looking fine. We've got no M40 problems or any M1 problems. On the A416 in Amersham Station Road, temporary traffic lights are up. This is because of electricity work around the junction with London Road West. The A6 through Bedford, still doing some roadworks near the junction with London Road. And in Stamford, the B658 closed off for roadworks at South Hill Road. If your commute is by rail this morning, your journey at the moment should be uninterrupted. 
because we've got no problems or delays reported. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Right, 6.47 exactly. It's Thursday the 13th of June. Big Brother starts today. That's not any of the headlines, that's just me saying that. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A group of MPs is calling for the government to tighten up the rules on dog ownership in a bid to stop attacks by dangerous dogs. A Luton teenager will appear before magistrates in the town today charged with possession of a sawn-off shotgun. In sport, the British and Irish Lions have named a strong side to face New South Wales Waratahs in Sydney on Saturday. Coming up, I want your bad customer service stories. I, I didn't have a huge thing happen to me in this shop yesterday, but it was enough to make me go, oh, really? Really, is that the best you can do? 08459 455 555. Well, someone we never get bad customer service from is Elizabeth Rossini. It's a bit tenuous. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. It's very kind of you. You were rude the other day, actually, now I think about it, so oh, I, I take no. back what I just said. No, not really. It's just I like speaking to Justin. No, I'm not I'm joking. Oh, I do like speaking to Justin as well. Yeah, oh, yeah, look at you with your foot in your mouth now, Elizabeth. <laughs> huh? You see what happens? Do you want the weather? Um... Yeah, go on, why not? It's important today because we've got a weather warning up from the Met Office. It's going to be very blustery today, a very windy day indeed. We could be seeing gusts of up to 40, even 50 miles per hour in some localised spots, I think particularly likely over the tops of the hills, of course. Um, And that's really going to peak as we head into the middle of the afternoon. So that's when it's going to be at its windiest. So possibly windy enough to cause some damage here and there. Um, So something to be aware of, I suspect. Uh, The weather warning valid until 8 o'clock this evening. Otherwise, it's a bit of a grey start, lots of cloud around this morning I really wouldn't rule out a little bit of wet weather around at times, perhaps the odd light shower here and there, but generally I think most places are going to stay dry. As we head into this afternoon that's when we'll see um, a little bit of brightness develop, perhaps even a few spells of sunshine. Watch out for a few light showers in places, Um, we could see the odd heavy one I suppose here and there, but they'll be very local and then the winds are really going to peak so watch out for those. Temperatures up to 17 or 18 degrees Celsius, but of course feeling quite cool and fresh because of the strength of those winds. Overnight tonight, the winds will die down. A dry and quite a cool night as well. Temperatures in the rural spots perhaps as low as 6 or 7 degrees. And tomorrow, lots of dry and bright weather on offer. There will still be some showers around um, at times, so uh, something to watch out for. I'm really quite breezy as well. We're keeping the breeze into the weekend. Saturday looks mostly dry and bright. By Sunday, though, it looks like we've got rain on the way. That's the forecast. Thank you, Elizabeth. Speak to you in an hour. Claude's quite a character, and he has uh, various girlfriends in the district. Well, I want to find out where he's been catching them. My husband thinks he just goes like 10 feet up the woods, but I think he goes a lot further. Using cutting-edge cameras and GPS technology, Britain's leading cat scientists share a unique glimpse of our pet's behaviour beyond the cat flap. So this will give us the position of our animals to tens of centimetres. Horizon. The Secret Life of the Cat. What we're seeing here on the screen is the very first indication we've ever had of the pet cat's life when it's outside the home. Tonight at nine on BBC Two and BBC Two HD. A cat. Yeah, oh, there's the lovely purring of a cat. Now there's a pet. Don't need to muzzle those things. But dogs? Let's muzzle them all. Getting some reaction on the uh, grandmother that left her 18-month-old and let it play with her dog. Tell you that after this, his passenger... Well, you only need the light when it's burning low Only miss the sun when it starts to snow 
Only know you love her when you let her go Only know you've been high when you're feeling low Only hate the road when you're missing home Only know you love her when you let her go And you let her go I suspect that young uh, young lady has uh, had her heart broken there. Why why write more than one verse? If it's a good verse, just keep singing it. What's the problem with that? So, yesterday, popped into a shop. Not going to say which shop. It was only a small shop. Popped into the shop. Okay, wanted a Mars bar. It was peckish. Been a long day. Mars a day helps you work, rest, and play. That's the slogan. It used to be anyway. So I thought I'd buy one. Thought I had some change in my pocket. Oh, I've not got change. No change. Ten pound note. Twenty pound note. Won't use that. Ten pound note. But the Mars bar on the uh, the counter said to the uh, lady behind it, "Just this, just this, please, just this." Okay, seventy pence. It was eighty pence actually. I think it was a little expensive. I gave her the ten pound note, and she looked at me. She went, "Oh, really?" 
I went, yeah, that's all I've got. I'm really sorry. So instantly, I'm feeling like, you know, I'm just she, a piece of muck on her foot. Oh, really? Yeah, sorry, that's all I've got. <sighs> okay, then, yeah, yeah. Then she opened the till. There was loads of change in that till. It was full of fivers. There were loads of pound coins. She made it, there were loads of pound coins. She made a point of giving me a lot of the change in 50p's. And then she spent, I had my hand out, she spent ages counting... The, uh, the, the counting the change into my hand, but five pounds worth of change, okay? And she did that, and she kind of looked at me and went, yeah, sorry, um, I gave you ten pounds. Yes, I know, give me a second. I thought, you cheeky mare. And I said to her, well, isn't it nice to see good customer service is still in place? I say I said to her, it to her, I muttered it under my breath as I was walking out, and I tutted loudly. Now, in the scheme of things, it's not the worst customer service in the world, is it, Justin? No. But... L- lovely use of voice on that uh, introduction there. Thank, well, it's mine. It's, yes, it's yes. Like my voice yes. is my fortune. It, it's not the worst customer service, but, 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 we don't do good customer service in this country, Justin. That would never have happened in the United <laughs> States <laughs> exactly of America. Right. That was a sweeping statement, that is. Well, um, I'm in Luton this morning, Ian. Yep. I've been asking people about customer service. Some of these stories are shocking. This is what people had to say. Well, Rose, you've had some shocking service in shops. Apparently, you've been sworn at. Can you I tell have. me your story? I went to return an electrical item, which was 40. I was told they wouldn't honor the warranty. Mm. So I said, right, I want it done because it's not fit for purpose. Mm. At that point, the woman looked at me and says, you can off, to put it politely. Yeah. Uh, we don't honor that. Wow. I mean, how did that make you feel? You, there, there you are as a customer, you pay good money and you've been treated like that. Oh, well, it annoyed me. <laughs> you don't say. So I did no more. I went to trading stands and banged in a complaint. Now, sir, you experienced bad service over a PlayStation 3. Can you tell us what happened? Yes, I went down to purchase one, um, got it, took it home, got it out of the box and it didn't work. Um, I took it back to the retailer and they said that the numbers on the machine and the box, the, the code numbers, didn't match but they thought they knew what was going on, and I got a replacement. I have a feeling there was a little bit of fiddling going on. (laughs) But in terms of the actual service itself, at least they did change it for you, didn't they? They knew what was going on, yes, and they they did. They replaced it straight away. So that's bad customer service, Justin, and we heard the woman there who banged in a complaint. (laughs) Uh, Have you found any good customer service? Because I don't think we do it in this country. Well, this is Tom, and I think we may have stumbled upon a UK exclusive here. Just take a quick listen to this. Well, Tom, just to, to flip the coin here, uh, in terms of, of customer service, you're saying that you think that Argos in Lucent and Gypsy Lane is the fastest Argos in the country. Can you back that up for us? I've uh, been in there to get goods and it's taken seconds. How many people there must be working out the back? God knows. But uh... So do you go in there then and you're looking at your watch and you're thinking, right, OK, is it going to take 20 seconds, 30 seconds? Are you actually timing this? Yep. <laughs> I think it's just, they're just amazing down there. It's the fastest Argos I've ever, ever been in. Wow. That is a great claim, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I suppose it is, really. <laughs> well, there we go, Justin, from the man with the deepest voice in the world. We found some good customer service. Listen, we've got to go to wrap time. Thank you for that excellent stuff. I just don't think, apart from that exception there, I don't think we do good customer service in this country, do we? 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. That man could get work as a Barry White tribute act. He was good, wasn't he? Yeah. I wish he'd clear his throat, though. It made me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> 
M25 anti-clockwise. We've got slow-moving traffic in patches this morning from Junction 25 at Enfield. So as you come into the roadwork section, then from the M1 round to Watford at Junction 19, Junction 21 to 19 there, and Maple Cross to the M40, so 17 to 16 is looking busy. Looking at the cameras, it's not a solid queue, but it's all very slow. Routes into London, well, at the minute it's only the A1 that's looking particularly slow. It's busy from Stirling Corner down to Mill Hill Circus. A40 and M40 are looking fine. We've got no issues along the A10 yet today. And everything across the three counties looking pretty decent. We've got no problems on the A5 or A6 and all looking pretty clear on the A1M. As for the trains and tubes, no major problems or delays reported. And on the departure boards, I think almost everything on timetable still this morning. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. So the government is going to debate today what to do with dangerous dogs. Well, it's simple. Some breeds, you don't breed them, and you muzzle all dogs. Easy. 08459 455 555. Here's Catherine Boyle. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's seven o'clock. The headlines call for a tougher stance on dangerous dogs, unexplained death in Quainton and bad news for Britain's honeybees. BBC Three Counties Radio. The government's being accused of wasting the opportunity to introduce tighter laws to control dangerous dogs. The Environment, Food and Rural Affairs Committee is calling for clearer legislation for owners. The group's chair, Anne McIntosh, will be talking to Ian later this morning. In the meantime, he's taking your calls on the subject of dangerous dogs, asking should all dogs be muzzled? Thames Valley Police are investigating an unexplained death in Quainton near Aylesbury. A man's body was discovered at an address in Lower Street shortly before midday yesterday. Police say there have been at least three robberies on school children in Luton this week. All the attacks took place in the Marsh Farm estate. Lee Agnew has the details. The first took place in Northwell Drive at a quarter past eight on Monday morning when a 15-year-old was threatened by an older teenager on a bike who said he had a knife. On Tuesday, a 14-year-old was wrestled to the ground in Ventnor Gardens and yesterday, another 14-year-old was ordered to empty his pockets in Northwell Drive by the older teenager on a bike. Detectives believe both the robbers were seen together. The first is white, has an Irish accent and had a grey hooded top. The second is black with dark shaved hair and was wearing a black hooded top. Bedfordshire police were appealing for witnesses after a man indecently exposed himself on a bus in Kempston. The incident happened last Wednesday on the number one service from Bedford. The, main, the man detectives are looking for is white, in his early 50s and around 5 feet 6. He's stocky and was wearing a pale cotton shirt and blue jeans as well as a gold wedding ring. Inspectors have warned that clever children are being let down by many of England's state secondary schools. Ofsted believes that a culture of low expectations in many non-selective schools means that bright pupils are not being stretched. Its figures show that thousands of pupils who are high achievers at primary level fail to get the best grades in GCSE. Here's our education correspondent, Luke Walton. The research looked at pupils who achieved what was then the highest level of five in English and mathematics in their end of primary school tests in 2007. It found two-thirds didn't go on to receive an A or A-star in both subjects at GCSE. A quarter didn't reach a grade B in both. Ofsted's report says low expectations of bright students is partly to blame. Its inspections found that teaching in mixed-ability classes failed to stretch the most able. It calls for them to be set more challenging work and for parents to get better information about children's progress. The government said it accepted the findings and that planned exam and curriculum changes would push able pupils harder. 
Teaching unions accuse Ofsted of attacking schools on flimsy evidence. British honeybees have been badly affected by the weather over the last year. The British Beekeepers Association found that more than a third of hives in England didn't survive the winter. And in sport, the British and Irish Lions have named a strong side to face New South Wales Waratahs in Sydney on Saturday. Winger Simon Zebo will make his Lions debut while tour captain Sam Warburton leads the team. The weather cloudy and windy with scattered showers this afternoon and a top temperature of 19 degrees Celsius, that's 66 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's it's a nice day. Who'd have thought? In the middle of June and we're having a nice day. What a lovely surprise. Lots coming up on the show this morning, as always. Very keen to get your thoughts on it. Lots of calls so far. If you want to be part of the show, now is an excellent time to give us a call. I'll give you the details in a couple of minutes. Here's some of the things that are happening between now and 8 o'clock. The debate on how to stop dangerous dog attacks is going to be discussed again in the House of Commons today. But I think I've got a simpler solution that wouldn't cost anywhere near as much money. Muzzle all dogs. Do you agree? Well, we heard earlier on from a a grandmother who lets her 18-month-old play with her big, vicious dog. I think that's irresponsible. Should all dogs be muzzled? We'll be finding out about the chaos that French air traffic controllers have been causing for travellers in the UK. If you're one of them, do give me a call. And you know what it's like. You're in a shop and you just think, is the person behind the counter really treating me like this? I want to hear your bad shopping experiences. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call, 08459 455555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Should we muzzle all dogs? It seems the safest option. We've had people dying, people being killed... Guide dogs being attacked. If we muzzle all dogs, blanket muzzleage doesn't doesn't hurt the dogs. They don't mind. Well, MPs uh, again are repeating uh, warnings to ministers that the government must bring forward wider measures to tackle out of control dogs. High profile attacks, which have resulted in the death of victims, are prompting MPs to consider altering the dangerous dogs legislation. But do the danger the changes go far enough? Surely one simple solution to control the issue in public places is to muzzle all dogs. If that was the case, then Marion's husband wouldn't have been bitten on Tuesday night. We spoke to her earlier in the show. Quarter past six, my husband went for a walk and a couple of people were coming towards him with a dog on a lead between the two of them and he walked out on towards to get off the path to avoid them and with that the dog uh, attacked him set his teeth in his left thigh and um anyway we got him over to the a and e and they sorted it out for him the, apparently the lady said oh i'm sorry i'm ever so sorry so he asked for their name oh no we're not giving you our name well, he was an 80-year-old chap that was bitten by a dog and had to go to A&E. Uh, well, Trisha called to say this about one of her dogs. I've got an 18-month-old granddaughter that absolutely pulls him to pieces. Now, I don't know his full background. Well, you, then, Trisha, Trisha, permission to speak for it. What's, what is this second dog that your 18-month-old granddaughter pulls to pieces? Another Staffordshire Bull Terrier. Trisha? Yeah. That's really irresponsible. It's not irresponsible. Of course it is. Got no idea what that dog's going to do. I trust the dog. She trusts 
the dog. Well, can you ever, really? Uh, joined now by Claire Louise Nixon, who's a Milton Keynes-based dog trainer. Well, what did you think about that last call, Claire I'm Louise? I'm horrified. I'm completely horrified. Why? Because, one, you should... I, I teach special needs children with my dogs, and I trust my dogs, but I would never leave a dog with a very young child. And also, what are you teaching the child to do, to pull a dog about? You know, it's just, you just don't leave, let a child pull a dog about. What's that teaching that child? They can just go around pushing and pulling dogs about. That dog is going to turn around at one point and hurt that child because it's, it's only defence to say, oh, that's hurting me, is to go, oh, and growl at one point and the child takes no notice, carries on doing it, or bite the child. Should we muzzle all dogs? It's a real hard one because, yes, I can understand the big dogs. You know, like German Shepherds, um, Rottweilers, Alsatians, um, even the Labradors. Because if they bite, it's going to hurt. I can understand where you're coming from. But, you know, these toy poodles, you know, Grandma's toy poodle, um, you know, you don't normally see a very, very vicious toy poodle. They can Um, still snap, though, can't they? They can, but, you know... They're not going to get close enough. If you, they went towards you, you, you could push them out of the way. And also, I can't see how you're going to muzzle these Shih Tzus and Lassarapsus and things like that, because you just can't get muzzles to fit their faces anyway. It, it, you know those ones with the pushed-in faces? I know the ones with the pushed-in faces, yes. Yeah, and I'm sitting there thinking, I was, you know, because I spoke to your colleagues last night, and I was sitting there and I was thinking, I haven't seen muzzles for that breed of dogs. Just get like a, a an elastic band or something around <laughs> their face. Uh, it, it, the, 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 one of the problems is 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 d- distinguishing what constitutes a dangerous dog. It is, and also you've got to remember as well, it's not the dogs; it's the owners. And you know, I, I, it really is the owners. You know, it's these you know these pit bulls and these um, and it's, it's a real shame about these staffies because years and years ago, if you look up staffies and go back into Wikipedia and all those sort of things, like any other googling sites. You will see, once upon a time, they were called nanny dogs. Yeah. Because people used to use them to look after their children. Because they were such a family dog. But now they're a status symbol for these certain people. And, they, you know, they're, put, they're holding, getting them to hold on to trees, let go of the branches, and they're getting them to grab hold of it to build up their jaws and make them look stronger and have... It's in, I know what you're saying about it, it's the owner's fault. And the owners, of course, have to take a huge responsibility. But a dog is, however much we domesticate it, a dog is an animal that can, that can turn just like that. We can never get rid of that, that, that animal instinct completely, can we? No, we can't. No, I... I I agree with you. I mean, I was on a, a show uh, not long ago with you, with another one of your colleagues, and, uh, you know, you, as much as you think you can trust your dog in Pittsburgh, I would never leave my, a child, a young child, alone with a dog. You know, I was talking about what age do you trust a dog with a... And it depended on the dog as well. Depending on what breed of dog. Claire Louise, stay there, because I, we, we, I, I want you to listen to our next guest. Uh, we, we're joined by Tom Walker, who's the Communication yeah. Workers Union Northern Home Counties Branch Secretary. That's a long title, That's Tom. A long title. Isn't it? Tom, uh, basically, Tom, you, you're aware of postmen and, and women that have uh, been attacked by dogs. Well, that's right. I mean, it's no funny matter to our members, particularly ones who've been off uh, injured horrifically. Tell me some of the stories um, you've heard. Well, we've had, you know, most people think, oh, it's funny when uh, they read stories about a dog attacks a postman. We've had people who've had their fingers savaged uh, and have been off for weeks uh, from vicious attacks from from every breed of dog. Mm. 
and the obvious issue that we have is irresponsible dog owners who, um, you know, allow their dogs, angry dogs, to uh, be, um, you know, don't get proper training, treat the dogs disgracefully, so the dogs act disgracefully, and who think it's funny uh, when our members get attacked. We've had people who've uh, ended up having their lives ruined uh, by irresponsible dog owners uh, who allow vicious dogs to uh, roam their properties and think it's funny when uh, when people complain or when the post office turn around and say, dog owners, you have a responsibility uh, to uh, to manage the behaviour. Tom, sorry, they, they think it's funny that their dogs are attacking postmen. Oh, they have the view, it's, well, this is where we live and uh, therefore, uh, you know, it's none of your business if uh, your members get attacked because this is our home and the dog's protecting the home. Claire Louise, what, 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 how do you feel when you hear that attitude? Oh, it's just a tip of the iceberg. It really is. People's attitude now is, is unbelievable. And I fully agree. It's like my house. I've got nine dogs. They, um, six out of the nine work with special needs children. So, and, you know, I've even got mm. a box outside, you know, for the postman to put the um, post in because it's not fair for him to try and put his hand through the little box no. where my little dogs are barking because just the sound of my dogs can make it... Sorry, um, Claire him, Even though they're Cocker Spaniels and Poodles and things. You've got nine dogs. Isn't it for... I've got nine, yes. You, uh, now, listen, I'm going to say something. Please don't take it the wrong way. Yeah. Your house must stink. No, it doesn't. But that, no, dog, dog people so, say I, that. That's one of the things I was really, really worried about. Dog people say that. You don't know it. But when someone walks into your house, I bet they go, oh, blimey, no, Claire Louise. No, I've asked people. Get some Febreze. I've got, um, I've, my mum's been very poorly, so she's been here. Right. And I've worried, and I have candles, I'm always cleaning, and I've got yeah. steamers and everything, and I am paranoid. I'm absolutely paranoid. So there's plug-ins everywhere, there's candles being lit all the time. <laughs> and I am, I'm so paranoid about it, and my friends will tell you that. All and right. my dogs get bathed every week as well because they work with the special needs children uh, and they get sprayed with perfumey things as well so no I am I'm really paranoid about it Tom what would you like to see done any dog with a proven history of violence should be muzzled uh, I'm not saying all dogs I'm saying dogs that have a proven history of violence uh, that's what we'd like that means though Tom doesn't it that they will have attacked someone at some point surely if we muzzle all dogs then there's no chance for anyone to be attacked yeah, but that's a bit like saying, why don't we put everybody in prison who's been accused of something? Yeah. You need to wait until it's proven, because otherwise you're tiring everyone with the same brush, and uh, that wouldn't be fair. Uh, Claire Louise, muzzling all dogs. Is it, is it, 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 would, it would save a lot of money, wouldn't it? All you've got to do is spend, what, 20 quid on a muzzle? Yeah, but you're still going to get the people that don't do it. Mm. You're always going to have the people who break the law. I'm not doing that. Oh, my dog's safe and my dog's fine. I'm not doing that. You've got it now. Dogs are not microchipped. Dogs are not um, vaccinated. Dogs are not on leads. And they know they're vicious. I had a dog the other day that um, I've been caring for that has been attacked. And the owner had only had it two days. And it just went straight up to their, my friend's dog. And it shook it like it was a rag doll. Claire Louise, final question, uh, and it sounds like my tongue is in my cheek. This is a genuine question because I heard this, and I, and I want to see if it's true or not. If a dog is clamped onto your arm or your leg and it won't let go, the best way to make it release it is to put your finger up its bum. No, I've never heard that. Is that not true? Before. No. <laughs> okay, well, I would, in that case, let's, I won't be following <laughs> that so advice. You can't put your finger up a dog's bum as well, anyway. Well, I, I, yes, I, I'll try not to. Uh, Tom from the CW, appreciate your time. Thank you very much uh, indeed, telling us about postmen and women that have been attacked by dogs. And Claire Louise Nixon, Milton Keynes-based dog trainer. We'll speak to Kim in Hertfordshire after the news, um, who is a dog owner. What do you think?
the thing is with dogs, you never know. You never know what's going what's gonna to happen. You can't domesticate them 100%. There's always that animal instinct that's inside. Muzzle all dogs. It's the obvious solution, isn't it? 08459 Paul has uh, tweeted me, at Ian Lee, in regards to, uh, to Tricia, who lets her 18-month-old play around with her dog. 18-month-old with a dog pulling it apart. OMG, she talks about responsible owners. What an idiot grandma. Well, idiot may be a little bit strong, but it, I, I would suggest it's a slightly irresponsible attitude to have. 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Just looking at the M1 on the cameras as you go past Junction 10 near to Luton Airport and all moving fine at the moment, northbound and southbound. All looking pretty decent as you continue down toward London. Maybe a little bit slow as you go past Junction 7, the A414. But generally all looking fine. M40 looking pretty decent as well. Traffic starting to slow up now on the M25. You've got delays as you go past Enfield, Junction 25 and into the roadwork section where you've got the speed restriction there of 50 miles an hour. It's looking a bit busy from the M1 to the Watford turn, junction 21 to 19, and Maple Cross to the M40. Plus, as you head into London, southbound, the A1 is queuing from Stirling Corner down to Mill Hill Circus. Trains and tubes, though, still looking excellent with no problems or delays. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Right, 7.16, it's Thursday, the 13th of June. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A group of MPs is calling for the government to tighten up the rules on dog ownership in a bid to stop attacks by dangerous dogs. A Luton teenager will appear before magistrates in the town today charged with possession of a sawn-off shotgun. In sport, the British and Irish Lions have named a strong side to face New South Wales Waratahs in Sydney on Saturday. Coming up, you know what it's like when you're in a shop and you don't quite get the service you expect or deserve as a customer. I had a little one yesterday, nothing major, but enough to make me feel very uncomfortable. What are your bad service stories in shops? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni. The bosses of a Milton Keynes lorry driver who died after falling asleep at the wheel have been found guilty of manslaughter with the best local news stories. At the moment, Christmas in Luton is at risk. We'll do our best. We'll work with the, the business community and other sponsors to fund the Christmas lights. The best local travel. Multi-vehicle crash on the M1 northbound just as you come from the M25. It's going to get busy. Three cars involved with the best local talking points. Because I was born female, that was my first sin, if you like, and I don't think I've ever been forgiven for it. Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three, on BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, we can speak to Kim in Hertfordshire. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Ian. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Let's muzzle all dogs, shall we? No. <laughs> I'm not against muzzling, don't get me wrong. It's just, I, I agree with the other people you've been talking to, that it, it is down to the owners. I really do agree with that. Why is it down to the owners? Well, it's like bringing up kids. You've got to bring them up right and teach them right from wrong. Yeah. And I do get what you're saying, you know. Dogs have got that wildness in them. You can't ever trust a dog 100%. You know, I've got three three dogs, two children. 
and I, you know, you know, when you get people that come round and my puppy nibbles on their fingers and they go, oh, it's okay because, you know, he's a pu-. No, it's not. He's got to learn not to do it. Mm. I've got a Neapolitan Mastiff, I've got a Bull Mastiff, and I've got a Bulldog. And I'm 37, and since I was two, we've had them as family pets Mastiffs. They weren't a status symbol 30 years ago. Well, there, there are ugly things, aren't they? Well, it's like ugly kids. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you still me. love your kids even if they're ugly. <laughs> you apparently, know, it's in the eye of the beholder and all that. But I love my dogs. You know, they're part of my life. You know, I don't walk all three dogs on my own because I don't want to intimidate people. Right? They're not stroppy. They're not nasty. They're you know so dopey and docile. Big, you know, my massive girl is eight and a half stone. But you know that, well, eight and a half stone, blimey, that's heavier but, than me. You know they could turn on a on a tuppence, though, couldn't they? Um, any dog can. You know, I walked my little massive, he's a puppy, he's five months old, he's already nearly 30 kilos, he's going to be about 14 stone. Flipping he's got to it. learn to be socialised, he's got to learn not to pull on the lead, he's got to learn his commands, you know. And I was walking him to school, um, picked my little boy up the other day, as a treat, I, you know, I work full time, I don't do the school run. And as I'm walking along, no joke, there must have been seven or eight little Westies, Yorkies, um, Jack Russells. Every single one of them went to my puppy, barking, yapping, growling. He just carries on because he's, you know, a puppy doesn't know any different. But it's not always the big dogs that, that, are, that cause problems. Well, look, it is, this, is my point, this is my point, Kim. It's not always the big dogs. That's why we should muzzle all of the horrible little things. <laughs> they should just be taught not to do it. Are your, dog, are your dogs muzzled? Um, no, I don't muzzle my dogs. That's irresponsible. It's not. They're on a lead. They're never off a lead. But they you could... Know, they they have... could a 14-stone dog yeah. could pull out of your hand easily. He's not 14 stone yet. I mean, it, it, I mean we used to have an English Well, Mastiff. he will be. He will be. He's trained on the lead not to pull. But the thing is, the training, the Kim, the training is never 100%. That's the problem. The training, uh, it, yeah, sure, of course, it'll, it'll work for some of the time. But if there's something that gets that dog going, a 14-stone dog is going to run out of your hands and be off. Is it not irresponsible for you not to muzzle those dogs? No, it's not. Because I don't actually take my dogs to the position, you know, they walk in, we, we, we live on the fields. We walk in the fields, we walk up past all the lanes. We don't walk in the middle of the high street with all three dogs because, again, it's, it's not, people are scared. I forget they're not used to the size, so I'm used to it. To me, they're not big dogs, but, I, you know, I've grown up with them, so I wouldn't put other people in that position to be scared of them in the first place. I don't walk my dogs as a status symbol. I walk them because they need the exercise and I love them. Kim, thank you very much indeed. Well, Rosie's in Redbourne. Rosie, uh, I'm, I, I imagine you've got a different take on this. You were attacked by a dog, weren't you? Yeah, about, about 15 years ago, actually, but yeah. Tell, tell me what happened. Um, it was when I lived in Bushy. I used to work at a school that was um, quite near my house, so I used to cycle, and I used to cycle through a park. Um, and one day I was cycling through this park, and I saw out of the corner of my eye something running towards me and looked over and it was a large dog coming um couldn't see an owner at all started to write a bit faster um and i realized i wasn't going to outpace it so then i uh, changed tack and slowed down because i thought if it, if i was going fast and it did sort of jump on me or anything i would i'd be off the bike so um as it got closer, I sort of shouted at it and didn't make much difference. It was sort of barking around me, and then it kind of got really close and took a few nips at my ankles, and um, I actually had to kick it. Um, 
which I, I didn't enjoy doing, but, no. you know. Um, and, and by that time, I could just about make out a sort of small figure at the other side of the park, sort of waving its arms and shouting ineffectually something like, don't do that. <laughs> Fenton! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um... And then I, as, at one time, I, I did actually manage to give it a bit of a kick, and then I got back on and managed to carry on, and then it just ran back to towards its owner again. But um, it was a bit, it was just frightening. I just thought, you know, I was an adult, but if it had been a little child on a bike, you know... It should we, much, Rosie, should uh, we muzzle all dogs? Then things like this couldn't happen. I think when they're out of the house, yeah. But I think, I think you can't really make, as that last caller was saying, you can't make distinctions between types of dog and, um, you know, it's not just the large dogs because um, actually my husband had, a, his family had a dog that attacked a, a neighbour's child and that was a very small type of dog. Mm. Um, and yet he'd never done anything like that before and he didn't do it afterwards, but you know, it did happen. Um, Rosie, uh, listen, I appreciate your time this morning. I'm going to move on just because I want to get some more, more voices on. Rosie, with a ter- terrifying incident that happened 15 years ago. A dog ran up to her on the bicycle. She had to give it a... Listen, if, if a dog came towards me or my kids, I could give it a good kick right where it hurts without any second thought. She agrees with me. Let's muzzle all dogs. Dave and Luton, it makes sense, doesn't it? it well, it does, um, Ian, but um, are you saying muzzle dogs even indoors and out in the back garden? Well, th- you raise an interesting point. Definitely when they're out for a walk in the park. I- I'm not sure yet about indoors, because I mean, there was that girl that was killed a few months ago in a friend's house, wasn't she? Right. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. This is ga- re- regarding that lady and her 18-month-old daughter. Yeah. They're indoors. Yeah, well, she shouldn't be so allowed that... She, words- she shouldn't be allowing that 18-month-old to play with that dog. Oh, but they're indoors. So, in other words, what you're saying, they should be muzzled indoors. Well, because that dog can turn indoors, even no, out in the garden. No, she shouldn't be. I, I've not made my mind up on muzzling indoors, although I'm close to saying yes. But she shouldn't be allowing that eighteen-month-old to play with that dog. But then, but you're saying that that people been killed indoors. Yes, babies have been ripped to pieces, been left on their own indoors. Yes, yes. Well, that's so you're saying. Uh, well. well they're actually saying it should be muzzled indoors. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, you shouldn't leave an 18-month-old with a dog. Well, no, but the case is, if, you, if you're indoors, yes. and you just go out to the kitchen, yes. and there's a baby in there... Well, you don't do that. There's, there's, no. No, there's, no, there's no excuse for that, Dave. You can't leave a baby in a room with a dog. Just going to make a cup of tea. It's like you can't leave a baby in a bath. Oh, I just There was the phone ringing, so I went and answered the, the, the phone, and then my baby right. drowned. You can't do it. No, I know you can't, but people do. Well, people are idiots. But, well, I know. Well, but then we agree. But these people with dogs should all be give, uh, told they've got to have their dogs trained by special people. I tell you what you don't hear anymore, Dave. See if this rings a bell. You'll know I'm, the, 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 the youngsters listening to this won't know what this means, but the, you, you'll know this, and you'll know the hand movement I'm making at the same time. Yeah. Sit! Sit! You don't get that anymore. No, you don't. What hand because movement, not, what hand movement am I making? No, because they're not going to train us. I, uh, David. I had four dogs years ago, yes. and I, my dogs were all trained, yeah. and they would never bite a person. The only thing is I don't agree with today yeah. is these leads that let a dog go out about 20 yards Oh, ahead, yeah, they're not good. Or behind, they should never be, they should have be on about yes. uh, the old lead. Dave, yeah. when I do this, sit! What yeah. hand movement am I making? 
Well, yeah, well, how can I do that? I can't. You just put your hand, your hand down on to the dog, and it's looking at you, yeah. and it should be sitting. No, that's not. Come on, you remember Barbara Woodhouse? Barbara Woodhouse's thing was she had her arm out in front of her, and when she said sit, she would bring her palm towards her. Sit. Yeah, that's what I'm just saying. Yes. I can't just describe it to you. You put your palm, yes, your hand down to the dog. Yes, it looks up at your hand, and your hand's coming down. No, your hands, your, your hands coming to up. No, no, your hand's going down to the dog. No, your hand's coming up to no, your face. You put your, no, when you put your hand down to a dog, yes, that dog looks at you, not to say you, he's got to sit. No, that's if that's you stay. Your up, You're doing stay. This is sit. Is the is the arm is out, palm upright, and the palm comes towards no. your face. Sit. No, that's not right. Though it is. No, it's not. It is. Sorry. That's how Barbara Woodhouse did it. Oh well, Barbara Woodhouse is wrong. Sorry. <gasps> David in Luton, you've just you've just committed dog blasphemy. Barbara Woodhouse is wrong. No, 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 no. Listen, there are people of a certain age, and I assume Dave was of that age. Maybe Dave's a little bit uh, too old. I don't know, but people of a certain age. When Barbara Barbara Woodhouse used to own dogs, I swear, if she was still alive, we wouldn't have any of the problems we've got now. Uh, can you believe, right, Barbara Woodhouse had her own television series. For those who don't know, she was a dotty old woman, wonderful, marvellous, who would present a weekly TV show that taught you how to train dogs. She was a celebrity. Boy, were we starved for entertainment in the 70s. She was a celebrity. Really old woman. And um, she would to teach dogs to sit, arm out, uh, um, palm upright, sit. People would do um, impressions of her. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. We we need to to uh, reanimate Barbara Woodhouse is the first thing, and we need to muzzle all dogs. Dave's argument there, oh, if you leave a dog in a room with a baby while you go and make a cup of tea, is invalid because nobody should be doing that. It's like you don't leave a baby or a toddler in the bath. Oh, the phone rang. Oh, there was someone at the front door. Well, you either ignore the front door or you take that baby out of the bath. You either ignore the front door or you take that baby out of the room with the dog. Simple as. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Looking at the speed sensors, the A1 starting to slow up as you come down toward the Black Cat roundabout from St Neot. It's not a big queue yet, but it is definitely getting busier. The A1081 Harpenden Road through St Albans on the southbound side, you've got delays from Avenue Road down toward the London Coney roundabout. A414 a little bit slow approaching the roundabout as well. M25 anti-clockwise, busy as you come into the roadworks section. You've got the 50 mile an hour restriction from Enfield at Junction 25 through to the A1M at Junction 23. Then as you continue around anti-clockwise it's slow from the m1 to watford and from maple cross to the m40 m40 itself is looking fine whether you're going out of london off toward high wickham and beyond or coming into london and going on to the a40 a1 though into london is queuing from the holiday in junction at boreham wood down toward mill hill adam glynn bbc three counties radio thank you adam mrs s has emailed us people kill more people than dogs do should we be muzzled oh dear i've, I've got to say some of the arguments from dog owners very poor this morning Stop having a pop at dog owners. The vast majority of us are more responsible than half the parents I see that let their kids roam around terrorising and vandalising the neighbourhood. All dogs should be chipped, yes, yes, and licensed, yes, with the owner being held responsible for its actions. Yes, I agree with that. I also think they should be muzzled. 
08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's 7.30. I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines. Thames Valley Police have launched an investigation following the discovery of a man's body in Quainton near Aylesbury yesterday. The Environment, Food and Rural Affairs Committee is calling for clearer legislation for owners in a bid to stop attacks by dangerous dogs. And Luton Police are hunting a pair of teenage thieves who've been targeting schoolchildren in Marsh Farm this week. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The British and Irish Lions head coach Warren Gatland has named his starting 15 to face New South Wales Waratahs in Sydney on Saturday. Winger Simon Zebo makes his first appearance of the tour, while captain Sam Warburton will lead the side. Gatland says with the first test taking place next weekend, his team to face Australia has yet to be finalised. The selection was just in mind for next week as well. Some players have uh, had two or three games in the week. We've got to think about Tuesday. We've got a game against the Brumbies on Tuesday. And we're still looking at uh, some combinations. And we said to the players... There's an opportunity for players on Saturday to to state claims, but the test team won't be selected until after next Tuesday. In cricket, the Australian batsman David Warner could find out tomorrow if his Ashes tour is over. He's expected to face a Cricket Australia hearing after admitting punching England's Joe Root in a bar at the weekend. Warner has since apologised to Root, but was left out of the side for yesterday's Champions Trophy match against New Zealand, which was abandoned because of rain. The acting Australia captain, George Bailey, says the incident hasn't cast a shadow over the rest of the squad. I really enjoy playing cricket with him. Love playing cricket with him. Love his enthusiasm, love his energy around the group. Love the way he plays. You know, I wish I had the talent that he that he does. And he's, I think he's a particularly generous teammate, very giving. I'm looking forward to hopefully playing a lot more cricket with him in whatever career I have. Football and Wickham Wanderers midfielder Matt Bloomfield says he's optimistic about being fit for the start of the season. Bloomfield missed most of the last campaign with a groin injury but says he's over the worst. I haven't been on holiday this year. I've been... I've been in the gym every day near enough um, since the season finished and you know it's come along really well. I'm up and running again and I'm moving about pretty well and I'm pain free for the first time in a long time so I'm really chuffed with all that. It's, uh, it's all moving along nicely. And that's your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at 8 o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, I'm just having a really good stretch. I need my back to be clicked i need a click i do like a good stretch my little boy has just learned the same little he's three he's learned the wonders of stretching and now he's first thing in the morning there's a really big stretch it's like oh it's good oh it's good for you we should get a stretch expert in you're laughing there probably is one somewhere there'll there'll be some bloke in milson Keynes who's a stretch therapist oh you're not you're not stretching correctly you need to do it this way guys i won uh, run a workshop 50 quid a session uh coming up in the next 30 minutes talking about trains we're talking about ofsted and how some schools are failing their pupils and also bad service i want to know your bad service in shops the reason i was let me tell you this very briefly i was in a shop yesterday it was only a small little thing i wanted a mars bar i was peckish 80 pence that's pricey that's pricey for a mars so i put it on the table said to the lady i'll have this please uh, gave her a 10 pound note the look of disgust on her face when i gave her the 10 pound note oh really yeah, sorry, that's all I've got. Oh, yeah. For a second, I thought she wasn't going to serve me. When she opened the till, the till was stuffed full of change. 
There were pound coins, five pound notes. She made a point, though, of giving me several pounds in 50 pence pieces. Thanks very much. She then spent quite a long time counting out five pounds worth of change into my hand and then looked at me. And I said, yeah, I'm terribly sorry. Um, I, gave you, uh, I gave you a 10. Yes, I know. I'm just doing it. Give me a second. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. It was only a tiny thing. But I thought that would never happen in America. Uh, we always go on. People go on about how good the service in America is in America. I'm trying to think if I've ever had bad service in the States. Apart from some idiot on a cab firm who I kept giving him this. I was, having, I was at a friend's house in, in Los Angeles. Yeah, I know. And every time I phoned up for a cab, I got this same guy. Sir, that address does not exist. I'm here. Of course it exists. Sir, would you stop calling us? That address does not exist. That's the only bad customer service I've ever experienced. 08459 455 555. Your examples, please, of bad customer service. We've all had it. Now, trains. It's one of the major rail projects in our region, which will link Bedford with Aylesbury and Milton Keynes. The east-west rail line is costing about £500 million. Gulp and two Buckinghamshire authorities are being asked to stump up around 15 million quid for it. Bucks County Council will spend 10.1 million on the project, and Aylesbury Vale District Council will spend 5.4 million pounds. But is this good value for money, and will it be of great benefit to the people living in the area? Well, Neil Gibson chairs the Project Executive Board on East West Rail. He's from Buckinghamshire County Council. Neil, is it good value for money? Uh, good morning, and can I just first say I've had a really good stretch this morning, so um, I enjoyed it too. Doesn't it, fe- <laughs> doesn't it feel good, Neil, having a good stretch? It certainly does. Uh, but coming back t- to your question, I think, um, yes, um, we are very committed to this project, and although the sums seem large, um, we think they're extremely good value for me for the uh, taxpayers, both in Ellsbury and Buckinghamshire. Um, why? Um, I think, as you mentioned... I don't need to do anything, Neil. You can do the interview yourself. I'll sit back and enjoy my cup of tea. Away you go. Well, I'll shut up and let you speak, then. No, no, no. I'm I'm teasing. (laughs) Uh, Why? Well, um, as you said, the scheme is around about uh, 500 million, or it sounds even even big if you say half a billion. A lot of money, but actually these schemes do cost uh, lots of money. The infamous High Speed 2 scheme is quoted as being around 32 billion. So... This project actually represents a, a fairly small amount compared to that. Um, why do you think it's good value for money? Um, when we develop these kind of schemes, we have something called a cost-benefit ratio. And what that basically means is that for every pound we put in, we look how many pounds we get back out. Um, with a rail project, you'd only get a ratio of around one pound in, two pounds out. On this particular scheme, we're looking at a ratio of 1 to 11, which represents a significant return on investment. Now, the people of Bucks, um, uh, and I have a vested interest in Bucks, as I, I grew up there, my mum still lives in that region, yep. they're paying for it with, with their tax. How will the people of Bucks benefit from this? What will be their direct benefit? OK, well, I think there's two things there. Um, we don't necessarily uh, pay for this out of taxation raised locally. Um, as you know, we have things like taxes we put on development, we get grants from government. So at this precise moment in time, no decision has been made on where the money's coming from locally, but it could come from a range of sources, um, many of which are not from local taxation. So I think that's, that's the first point. 
Um, in terms of the benefits, um, we hope this will stimulate uh, job growth in Buckinghamshire. Um, the, we're already getting interest from potential developers, uh, retailers who are interested in a place like Aylesbury, Winslow, being more accessible uh, by rail, which aren't at the moment. So this stimulates interest from the development world. Um, there's also the services that local people will, will be able to use that, that they can't at the moment. As you know, at the moment, Ellsbury is a bit of a cul-de-sac uh, by rail. People living within Buckinghamshire, not, not just in Ellsbury, will be able to travel uh, north in future to places like Oxford, Vista, Milton Keynes, and possibly on to places like Peterborough. How long is this going to take, and what's the disruption going to be? OK, so what we're saying at the moment is these services will be available from December 2017. So um, that's a few years away, but actually on a, on a project like this, it's still quite quick. The level of disruption will inevitably be uh, clearing the site, although it is a rail route. Uh, it's been overgrown in many sections, so clearly there'll have to be site clearance. Then in due course, we'll have to have machinery down there uh, laying the rails, um, putting all the infrastructure needed to operate a, a live railway. So it's, it's, it's going to be noisy, it's going to be messy. Will, will people be adversely affected by the disruption, Neil? Well, um, later this year, um, we're just saying autumn at this stage because we haven't got the precise date, but later this year we'll be going out to uh, all the communities along the route and explaining in as much detail as we can at that stage just exactly what the timetable is for taking this project forward. So uh, we'll be down there on the ground, as it were, talking to individuals, to communities in, in community halls and so on and so forth just explain exactly what we think is going to go on, when it's going to go on, and the, the potential of disruption. Um, it, it's true with any construction project, whether it be housing, office blocks, shops, roads, uh, rail, there's the inevitable period of um, disruption whilst we construct. But of course, the benefits flow uh, soon afterwards. Neil, listen, I appreciate your time this morning. Neil Gibson uh, from Bucks County Council. A human being, thank you. It was, it was nice. Go and have a nice stretch, Neil. You deserve it. You did well there. Thank you for that. A human being. If you want to know what I'm referring to, we had a call. <laughs> we spoke to someone from Milton Keynes Hospital yesterday. Uh, get the podcast on Friday. All will be revealed. He was a nice chap, Neil. Thank you very much. He, he may have gone on the PR course, but he took it with a huge bag of salt. So well done. Uh, we're talking about dogs this morning. Muzzle them all. I say muzzle them all, for goodness sakes. It's being debated uh, by MPs later on today, but I suggest just l- listen. The easy way to do it, they have to be muzzled if they're out and about. Um, Jackie has emailed in, I've got a Jack Russell. Vicious, she'd lick you to death. Ugh, they've got horrible tongues, Jack Russells. Horrible things. We had her from eight weeks old, so used, uh, she's used to kids. Anyone can take anything away from her, toys and food. We have a one-year-old grandson and have no fear of the dog ever doing anything. When she's had enough, she disappears and lays in her space. Or Joe on Facebook says, and by the way, if you go to Facebook, uh, you can have a good old Barney on there. It's nice to see you arguing. Play nice. Don't be rude about each other, but go and have a good old Barney. Part of the problem, says Joe, is that people don't realise their dog's behaviour is not always predictable or within their control. They think they can control their dogs, and they're surprised when their dog bites someone or attacks another dog. Muzzling all dogs isn't necessary. It's far less likely that a lab or retriever will bite than a staffy or a dog of that type. But if statistics can show which breeds are involved in attacks, then those breeds should be targeting. I also think all dogs and their owners should go through mandatory training. Oh, man, I agree with you on that. Should we have a quick look at the front pages? 
Let's do the last the last three front pages that uh, we uh, we missed, and we'll do the uh, Ofsted in a little bit because it's an interesting story. We'll do that in a second. Let's have a quick look at these, I think, uh, shall we? Yes, the Daily Express. Anthea Turner splits from cheating husband. What? Didn't that happen recently? Yes. She took him back. And Grant Bovee and, and her have split up again. She was married to Peter Powell before. What happened to Peter Powell? Do you remember Peter Powell, the Radio 1 DJ? We don't hear of Peter Powell anymore. I miss Peter Powell. Anthea Turner always gets a rough ride, doesn't she? Excuse me? I feel kind of sorry for her. You know, I feel kind of sorry for her. You know, she became a bit of a joke, didn't she? Why? She's all right. I mean, she's a bit nicey-nicey, a little bit bland. But it's not illegal to be bland, is it? She always gets... I mean, there was that thing as well when her and uh, Mr Bovey were chomping on flakes or whispers or something at their wedding. Having Snickers or something at their wedding. And there was a picture of that and they got a few quid for it, apparently. But apart from that, I don't understand why she gets such a rough ride. I'm sure she's a lovely lady. Uh, and the Daily Express, again, they've got a health story for us. Are you worried about getting diabetes? Don't. Don't worry. Because regular walking fights off diabetes. Millions of Britons could slash the risk of diabetes by taking a short walk after eating. Scientists say a 15-minute stroll three times a day following a meal is just as good as longer bouts of exercise. Well, there you go. The Daily Mail. Sally Burko is selling furniture on eBay. She's selling furniture. Where do they live? They live in... Um, it's like the House of Commons or something that she lives, doesn't she? Uh, the, the, the Sally Burko has blundered into controversy again by flogging antiques from her free home in Parliament. So people could buy on this stuff on eBay that she's selling. Uh, I've got a table that's being collected this week that I'm selling. They'll come to my house. I don't live in Parliament. People will be going into Parliament to get uh, chairs and tables. Uh, and also the Daily Mail says, The shaming of Nick Clegg, Deputy PM, humiliated. As inquiry rules, he failed dozens of women victims of Lib Dem sex predators. And the son, caprice to have two babies in four weeks. One natural, the other surrogate. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That's a front-page story, dear listener. Uh, and then inside Jacko's bedroom, page eight and nine. Oh, this I have to see. Inside Michael Jackson's bedroom. Drugs, gas and babies. That's a great headline. Jacko's deathbed surrounded by pills and strange photos. Shocking new photos of Michael Jackson's bedroom littered with drugs, gas canisters and a strange shrine to babies were re- released yesterday. Well, there you go indeed. 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, Adam, before we yes. begin, yes. we've had a comment about you on Twitter. OK. Well, do you want to hear it? Uh, feel free. Bearing in mind, I, I think... I, no, I, I think you are the best... One of the best... You're in the top ten travel people that I have ever worked with. Oh, that's very nice of you. I, I, I mean that. Well, Scott says, Adam Glynn delivers the travel news like he's telling you your nana's just died. Wow! I know, yeah, I know, and I think that's unfair. I, I, think, I that's think that's harsh. unfair because if I was delivering news like that, I'd be a bit more serious and a bit more downbeat. Yes, I think I think you bring a, a joy and a light-hearted touch to the travel that is unique to yourself, Mr. Glynn. I'm certainly looking forward to hearing what you've got for us now. You're very kind. I was just going to say first off, I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, but until just now, when you mentioned that headline, I'd forgotten that Caprice existed. <laughs> 
I know exactly what you mean. I'd forgotten what she... I've forgotten what her purpose is, but I'm glad she's still around and having two babies within two weeks of each other. Yes, there we go. A1. Now, as you come from St Neots down toward the Black Cat roundabout, it is looking quite slow this morning. It's not a solid queue by any means, but it's quite busy. The Harpenden Road through St Albans is looking slow. The A1081, this is, between Avenue Road and the London Coney roundabout. And if you're heading on to the A414, you might find that a little bit slow as well. Through Stevenage, there are roadworks on North Road, the B197 at the Granby Road Junction. Anti-clockwise M25, it's slow coming into the roadworks section with the traffic tailing back now roughly to Waltham Abbey at Junction 26. So from there through to Enfield and onward toward the A1M is busy. And then still, as you go around anti-clockwise, we've got delays from the M1 all the way around to the M40. And into London, queues on the A1 through Borehamwood from the Holiday Inn Junction down to Mill Hill. Trains and tubes, they are looking good. We've got no problems at all. Adam Glynn, BBC <laughs> Three Counties Radio. I miss my nana, Adam. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Right, 7.47. Harsh words there from Scott. I think I think Adam does an excellent job. 7.47. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Thames Valley Police have launched an investigation following the discovery of a man's body near Aylesbury yesterday. The Environment, uh, Food and Rural Affairs Committee is calling for clearer legislation for owners in a bid to stop attacks by dangerous dogs. In sport, the British and Irish Lions head coach Warren Gatland says former Bedford centre Billy Twelve Trees, is that his name? Is likely to start the match against the Brumbies on Tuesday. This is a wind-up. This is, this, this is not a real sports story. After being called into the squad yesterday as injury cover. 08459 455 555. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. Well, it's a bit of a grey start to the day. It's going to turn very windy later on as well. Um, just, uh, well, across the whole three counties, actually, we've got a Met Office weather warning out for the strength of those winds. We could be seeing gusts of up to 40, even up to 50 miles per hour, so possibly some damaging winds even through the middle part of the afternoon. That's when they're likely to peak. The cloud will thin and break. I really wouldn't rule out perhaps one or two very light showers through the course of the day, although most places are going to be dry. There will be some brightness and sunshine a bit later on through the afternoon as well. But of course, not feeling all that pleasant because of the strength of the wind. And um, it's going to feel quite cool and fresh because of the winds too. Um, although in theory, temperatures up to 17 or 18 degrees Celsius in Luton, in Bedford and in uh, Hartford as well. Now, as we head through into this evening and overnight, then we'll see uh, the skies clear. It will be a dry night. Temperatures perhaps dropping as low as 5 or 6 degrees Celsius in the rural spots. So quite a chilly start to the day tomorrow. But we will see lots of dry and bright weather around possibly a bit of a grey start we could just catch one or two showers through the afternoon they'll tend to be quite light in nature most likely towards northern areas of the three counties and um, still quite windy as well and the winds we're going to keep that through the course of the weekend Saturday mostly dry and bright Sunday well it's rain on the way I'm afraid Enjoy the summer. That's the forecast. <laughs> You're so sarcastic. That was a bit naughty of me, wasn't that it? That was very naughty because you like it when it's bad weather. Well, I don't like it. I just like a bit of weather, you know. Naughty Elizabeth. Passionate about sports? Fancy being a sports journalist at the BBC? Well, we're looking for applications now for 2013 BBC Kickoff Trainee Sports Reporter Scheme. 
you'll receive full training and two days a week, eight-week placement over the summer at a BBC local radio station. And you don't need to have any journalism experience at all to apply. The Trainee Sports Reporter Scheme. Log on to bbc.co.uk forward slash careers and follow the link for full details. Let the BBC help kick off your career. I am totes going for that job. So everybody, put your pens and your fingers down. The job is mine. Now, inspectors have warned clever children are being let down by many of England's state secondary schools. Ofsted says figures from last year show two-thirds of pupils who got top marks at age 11 failed to go on to get the best GCSE grades. The Chief Inspector of Schools, Sir Michael Wilshaw, says he is shocked by the findings. Expectations are not high enough for our most able pupils. And we've got to make sure that leaders of our schools and teachers in our schools have higher expectations of what they can do. There's too much coasting, too much wasted time in years 7, 8 and 9, and then these youngsters find it difficult to speed up and catch up. The figures from last year show 65,000 primary school pupils who achieved top levels in maths and English in year 6 didn't manage to get an A star or A grade at GCSE. Martin Johnson is the Deputy General Secretary of the Association of Teachers and Lecturers. He says the results-driven league table system and even the Ofsted inspection regime are partly to blame for schools not being able to focus enough on the more able. In some cases, it does mean that they don't necessarily want to give too much attention to the very highest achievers because they're going to be okay and they're going to get them the points. They concentrate elsewhere in the ability range uh, in order to maximise their scores. The report says secondary schools have not done enough to create a culture of scholastic excellence, where the highest achievement in academic work is recognised as vitally important. Helen Casey, whose daughter Shannon will start studying for her GCSEs in September, says she feels her school does try to get the best out of all its pupils. My daughter's a B, which obviously isn't bad, it's not low, um, but obviously the school have picked up and said, you know, her potential is probably an A, so are offering her, you know, some one to one um, support and even they do an after school clubs and workshops to help them and they even are quite good even in the school time instead of you know having their own breaks themselves the teachers will sit in the classrooms and are quite happy to help them and give them a bit more support where needed call 08459 455 555 BBC Three Counties Radio We'll talk bad service in a minute. Give, give, give me a call now, 08459 455 555, with your bad service uh, stories. But before that, the government today will be uh, debating whether they should toughen the laws on, de- on dangerous dogs. There's been so many attacks. You hear about kiddies being killed. Guide dogs being attacked by other dogs. Gu- guide dogs? The most passive of all dogs being attacked? Well, the solution is simple. Eight a month, apparently. It's incredible. The solution is simple. Muzzle all dogs. It's all you have to do. Nice, cheap, straightforward. What does a muzzle cost these days? 20 quid? I've got literally no idea. It can't be much more than that. Muzzle all dogs when they're out and about. Small ones, big ones, some as big as your head. It's the obvious thing to do. We stop breeding staffies. That's a byline. I, I think we, we don't need to breed those anymore. But just muzzle all dogs. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. And uh, earlier on, we heard from a, a, a caller who let her eighteen-month-old granddaughter play with their dog and pull its tail. Really, really, is that sensible grandparenting? 
I don't think so. Carol's in St Albans. Morning, Carol. Morning, Ian. Let's, let's muzzle all dogs, shall we? Well, when I was growing up in the late 40s, 50s, all dogs were muzzled. Were they? Yes. Was that the law? I, that I do not know. But I can remember going out for walks and, and the people who had dogs in our neighbourhood, they were all muzzled. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Because even, even those small dogs are vicious little so-and-sos, aren't they? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, Jack, Jack Russell's are ratters, aren't they? Oh, but, but exactly, they're ratters. They're, they're trained, to, or they're, they are bred to kill and eat and find rats. Yeah. So imagine a, a, a little child's finger. Yeah. Well, I, we, we had a Labrador, beautiful dog. But she went for me when I when I was feeding my son. So you see, they do. Put down. Well, Carol, listen, I appreciate uh, your call. You can get a muzzle for three ninety nine. There you go. It's nothing, is it? Go, go and buy a muzzle for goodness sakes. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Bad customer service. Very irritating experience in a shop yesterday. I may, may tell you about it again a little bit later on. Apparently, eighty eight percent of people refuse to go back to shops because of poor service. Well, that's the result of a poll of UK shoppers by Market Force, a retail analyst company based in Milton Keynes. We'll speak to them in a second. But first of all, Justin Dealey has been hearing some of your experiences of bad customer service. Well, Rose, you've had some shocking service in shops apparently you've been sworn at can you tell me your story i went to return an electrical item which was faulty i was told they wouldn't honor the warranty Mm. so i said right i want it done because it's not fit for purpose Mm. at that point the woman looked at me and says you can off to put it politely uh we don't honor that wow I mean, how did that make you feel? You, there, there you are as a customer, you pay good money and you've been treated like that. Oh, well, it annoyed me. <laughs> you don't say. So I did no more. I went to trading standards and banged in a complaint. Yes, she banged in a complaint. Well, Simon Boydell is from Market Force, a customer intelligence agency in Milton Keynes. Uh, Simon, surely most places know that bad customer service doesn't help them. Why do we still get it so much? Um, well, I think, I think there's a, a variety of reasons. I mean, one of the, the key things really to deliver great services, the staff understanding what type of business they're working for and what that business wants to deliver to their customers. So some of it does start within the training of the staff and making sure the staff are engaged and understand the importance of customer service. It's something that doesn't sort of always get taught too much at the induction level. It's something Does where, it need to be know, taught, though, Simon? Because it, it seems obvious to me. If I am providing you a service, if I'm selling you something, then I need to be polite, not, not overly sleazy. I need to be friendly. I can't have an attitude with you. It seems obvious. Yeah, no, in, in, indeed. And, and you know, it, it is obvious. Um, but I think some, sometimes people don't understand the very slight nuances with the way that you interact with customers how much that can affect the customer experience. And what? that's that's what we do at Market Force. We help people understand, you know, this is the difference between, you know, a warm and genuine greeting mm. against speaking to someone who's just going through the motions. Which they do in some of the larger supermarkets, don't they? they they've had um, uh, conversation training. Yeah, yeah, no, indeed. And it does it does make a significant difference to, to the customer's experience. And not only that, how much customers end up spending in businesses and what they walk out and tell their friends and family as well, of course, because that's what we buy on. We buy on experiences. We talk to our friends and our family, look for advice. 
and if a member of your family's had a bad experience somewhere, you're highly unlikely to go there again yourself. There are a number of venues in North London where I, I have banned my family from going because I felt I was slighted there. What's the, what's the most effective way to deal with bad service? Um, well, the, the most effective way, really, and this, this does actually start with the customers, is by giving feedback to the companies. These businesses want to understand what their customer experience is like. They want the feedback, because without the feedback, they can't improve. It's very, very difficult. So that's, that's the type of thing that we're doing. We're working with uh, some of the UK's largest brands and retailers and giving their customers the opportunity and the tools to provide that feedback so they can then start sharing that with their staff their staff can start understanding more about what the customer experience is like and what are the things that they can do to work towards improving that. Simon Boydell from Market Force, thank you very much indeed. I'm reminded of the bad... Co- I once ordered a custom-made cardboard box. Don't ask why. Don't. Uh, and the guy... You'll have it by next Monday. Right. Three weeks later, I still haven't got it. I kept phoning this bloke up, and one day he put on a different voice and pretended to be someone else. Yes, yeah, Steve, not here today! I said, it's you, isn't it? No, Steve, not here! Fan, you have to respect someone. I, I recorded his phone calls in the end because he was just so, such an entertaining idiot. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. If you're commuting by rail, I think you've probably got the best of it this morning because there are no delays on the trains at present. Tubes into and out of London all looking fine as well. Roads starting to get busy, though it's not that bad a morning, to be honest with you. The A1 is a little slow from St Neots toward the Black Cat roundabout. If you're driving through Stevenage this morning, expect heavy traffic on the A602 approaching Gunnelswood Road, essentially between the football ground and the A1M. And looking at the speed sensors, it looks like the A1M might be slowing a bit from Hitchin towards Stevenage. Things on the A5 looking quite good. M1 still running absolutely fine. The A10 is a little slow as you come through Chesant on the southbound side toward the M25. Harpenden Road through St Albans. There are delays approaching the London Coney roundabout. And then on the M25, anti-clockwise, it's slow moving. Waltham Abbey to Enfield into the roadworks. And then the other side of the works, it's heavy from the M1 to the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Right, coming up in the last hour of the show, more of your bad customer service stories, please. And all dogs, all dogs, they need to be muzzled. This is not worth the risk, is it? Of course not. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 8 o'clock, I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, body found in Quainton, calls for dangerous dog crackdown and French strike action affects Luton flights. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thames Valley Police have launched an investigation following the discovery of a man's body in Quainton near Aylesbury. Officers were called to an address at Lower Street shortly before midday yesterday. A group of MPs is urging the government to take tougher action against the owners of dangerous dogs. The Environment, Food and Rural Affairs Committee wants clearer legislation to tackle the number of dog attacks. The committee's chairman, Anne McIntosh, will be speaking to Ian Lee next, but in the meantime he's asking, should all dogs be muzzled? Milton Keynes dog trainer Claire Louise Nixon isn't sure. Yes, I can understand the big dogs. You know, like German Shepherds, um, Rottweilers, Alsatians, um, even the Labradors. Because if they bite, it's going to hurt. I can understand where you're coming from. But you don't normally see a very, very vicious toy poodle. They can uh, still snap, though, can't they? 
A Luton teenager will appear before magistrates in the town today charged with possession of a sawn-off shotgun. 18-year-old Rashan Malcolm of Dewsbury Road was arrested on Tuesday morning. He's also charged with possession of an imitation firearm in Thrales Close in Marsh Farm on May the 31st. One of Luton's main airlines says it wants the right to strike taken away from air traffic controllers after hundreds of flights were disrupted. French controllers have been striking against plans to create a single European airspace, which they say will affect public safety and their working conditions. Robin Keeley from Ryanair says it's unfair to thousands of passengers. Air traffic controllers in the United States, for example, are prevented from, from striking by law. They can't shut down the airspace and many of uh, Europe's armies and police forces are also prevented from striking by law. So it's, it's, entire, it's grossly unfair that they, a small handful or however many number there are of them can ruin thousands of people's trips, holidays and so on. Inspectors are warning that clever children are being let down by many of England's state secondary schools. Ofsted say that figures from last year show that two-thirds of pupils who got top marks at age 11 failed to go on to get the best GCSE grades. The Chief Inspector of Schools, Sir Michael Wilshaw, said he was shocked by the findings. Expectations are not high enough for our most able pupils. And we've got to make sure that leaders of our schools and teachers in our schools have higher expectations of what they can do. There's too much coasting. Too much wasted time in years 7, 8 and 9 and then these youngsters find it difficult to speed up and catch up. Sport now and the British and Irish Lions head coach Warren Gatland says Billy Trelltrees is likely to start the match against the Brombies on Tuesday. The former Bedford Blues centre was called into the squad yesterday as injury cover. The weather cloudy and windy with scattered showers this afternoon and a top temperature of 19 degrees Celsius, that's 66 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm a little peckish. Has anybody got an egg sandwich on them? Fried, not mayonnaise. Ooh. Egg mayonnaise is just, it's not the done thing. Fried egg sandwich or a scrambled egg roll, that will do me very nicely. Thank you very much. We're based in the centre of Luton. Come and serve me. Thank you. Right, lots coming up between now and JVS at nine o'clock, including... The debate on how to stop dangerous dog attacks is going to be discussed again in the House of Commons today. But isn't there a simpler solution that wouldn't cost anywhere near as much money? Let's muzzle all dogs. It seems so obvious to me. They're all a danger. You can never predict, oh yeah, my dog is so great with my little girl, she's only three. Yo, no, 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 no. You can never predict what a dog's going to do. Let's muzzle them all. Have you been affected by the French air traffic controllers? Well, we'll be finding out exactly what's going on with them and why they're on strike. And you've been there. You've had this happen to you. Poor customer service. I had a little run-in with a shop yesterday. Nothing major, but enough to really deflate my mood. What bad customer service have you had? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can text... Oh, yes, 81333 is the number. Start your text 3CR. But look, all of the lines are free. Now is an excellent time to give me a call. That's if you've got all your fingers left, if your dog hasn't bitten them off. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Well, today MPs will again debate an issue that we can't seem to solve, dog attacks. The Environment, Food and Rural Affairs Committee will repeat their recent warnings to ministers that the government must bring forward wider measures to tackle out-of-control dogs. Well, since 2007, nine people, including six children, have died as a result of dog attacks and the annual cost to the NHS of treating injuries is around three million quid. Three million pounds a year! Well, earlier this week, news came out that eight assistance dogs, as guide dogs, are also attacked each month. Well, how do we control this problem? Surely the solution is obvious. Let's muzzle all dogs. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been out and about getting your views. Justin, where have you been this morning? What are people saying? Well, I've been in Luton. Uh, People don't agree with, with your idea of muzzling all dogs. Here's one dog owner that I spoke to early this morning. No, muzzle the owners. Simple as that. Yeah. A dog reacts to the way it's been brought up, the same as a child does. If the owners treat it nicely and teach it to behave itself, then the dog will behave. Wouldn't it make it a safer place, though, if all dogs were muzzled? Because at the end of the day, a dog is an animal, and animals are unpredictable, aren't they? What about human beings? Don't they, shouldn't they be muzzled? Look at the gun crime we've got in Luton at the moment, and the stabbings. And who's this are dog they here? any worse than that? Uh, who's this dog here? Tell us more about him. She is an 11-year-old Yorkshire Terrier. Yeah. Her Muzzle name that. is Poppet. Yeah. She hasn't got a tooth in her head, so if she bit you, she wouldn't hurt you. She could only suck you to death. Yeah. So the idea of muzzling all dogs, in your opinion, is absolutely ridiculous. Yes, definitely. L- listen to that vicious little thing there, Justin. <laughs> Sucking me to death. Uh, there's an offer that I can't refuse, eh? But uh, mo- most, most dog owners are saying absolutely no. Um, the idea of muzzling all That's dogs is ridiculous. That's because they're dog owners, and, the, and dog owners think that their dogs are special. And I know that my dog would never attack anybody because he's one of the family. Yeah, a lot of people are quite naive. I- I'm going to play you a clip here, which I find fascinating. Uh, this is Ted, and he's with his dog dinner now he is so convinced that his dog is safe he challenged me to do something just take a listen to this yeah you smack him just i'm no. not gonna smack him no you, just, you <laughs> smack him right i'm he, not gonna smack him no honestly it's a nice you? offer but no thanks i mean you can put your hand in his mouth yeah. anything it's as good as good. i'll stroke him there you go yeah, dylan i'll stroke him that's that's my new ringtone by yeah. the way <laughs> So that gentleman wanted you to smack his mm. dog to yeah. prove that he wasn't violent. Absolutely. I mean, you, you speak to most dog owners, and they'll all say the same thing, won't they? Oh, I've got such a lovely dog. Yep. He's, he's so well-behaved. Oh, he's, he's never hurt anybody, you know. Well, there is a first time for absolutely anything. And you could take your dog to the park one day, and one thing could wind your dog up, and that's it. He could go on to bite another human being. It happened to my cousin a couple of weeks ago. She was in a pub, and there was an Alsatian in the, in the pub, and for whatever reason, he took a dislike to my cousin and he bit my cousin. And the owner said exactly the same thing. Oh, he's never done it before. Yeah. He's never done it before, you know. Well, he's done it now, hasn't he? Uh, Justin, thank you very much indeed. Uh, there we go. Well, Conservative MP Anne McIntosh chairs the Environment, Food and Rural Affairs Select Committee. Uh, good, good morning, Anne. Surely the answer is to muzzle all dogs, isn't it? Uh, good morning to you. There, there is no proposal uh, to muzzle all dogs and no, it wouldn't be an answer. Uh, Why like not? your report said... Uh, We welcome the fact that the new proposals will deal with attacks on private property and will deal uh, with attacks on on guide dogs. What what we're asking for is a specific dog control notice that would actually ask the irresponsible dog owner to um, take specific action to improve its dog's behaviour. Now, it may involve... For a short period of time, a dog being muzzled when it's in public or being kept on a lead. 
when it's in public you, you've and just, the owner may be asked to be trained. You've just asked. You've just raised the the, 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 the problem there, though, Anne. You're going to ask. You're going to ask irresponsible dog owners to do things, but they're irresponsible dog owners. What asking them isn't going to help anything. No, but the, the, our idea goes further than what the government is currently proposing. We're asking for something that appears to work extremely well in Scotland that a local council or a police authority, uh, sorry, a police force will be allowed to issue a dog control notice, a specific measure against a specific dog. And what does that mean? A specific dog owner. That that dog that has been, uh, perhaps looks as though it could be becoming dangerously out of control will have specific behaviour required of it. Surely that's too late, though. If, if, if it is dangerous and is, is, is becoming out of control, that would imply that it's attacked someone already. So we have to wait for another little no. kitty to be killed or a guide dog to be attacked before we do anything. No, we believe that this is the one measure that is missing in the current proposals, that this will be a preventive measure, may indeed have prevented the most recent uh, tragedy where Jade Anderson, the teenage girl, was killed. We believe it's the missing link in all the measures that are currently being proposed. Does it go far enough? Because I know there's been lots of complaints that the dangerous dogs legislation was introduced too hastily and not enough thought had gone into it. it, it, it even this, the, the plans you're proposing, and they sound a little wishy-washy. We, we wait until it looks like a dog might be becoming a problem and then we'll step in and we'll, we'll ask the owner to do something and it, it may be muzzled for a short time. I, I, people might be saying that doesn't go far enough. Well, I think it depends on, on the behaviour of the dog, but I had a lot of sympathy with what the lady dog owner of the Yorkshire Terrier said in your report, that uh, dogs will behave really as they've been taught or allowed to behave. We would have preferred as a committee a big review of the Dangerous Dogs Act 1991 and a consolidation of all existing laws. We still don't believe that the proposals go far enough where dogs attack other dogs or other animals such as horses, cats, donkeys, this type of thing. So we um, now face a situation we've had second reading and there will be a thorough review of the actual proposal. But our debate today looks at our two reports, both on dog control, dog welfare and the draft dangerous dogs pre-legislative scrutiny that we did. And I believe we've got some very specific proposals that will improve the current laws. It does seem... I was shocked to hear that £3 million uh, is spent each year by the NHS treating dog attacks and livestock are attacked and guide dogs are being attacked. Why is it taking so long for anything to be done about this? Well, I would say it's the tip of the iceberg. Um, I was attacked um, when I was out canvassing in 1987 uh, by a rather large Alsatian. I did have hospital treatment. It didn't require stitches, but I did require hospital treatment. What what happened, Anne? Tell us what happened. It was my first ever election campaign um, where, where I was the candidate in my own right. And I knocked on a door and the lady, the woman owner of the house, obviously thought that she'd secured the dog behind the door and she hadn't and the dog just rushed out and attacked me and she was a very nice lady and as she was a conservative supporter I didn't wish to press charges but I honestly believe that perhaps there are more um, that are not being reported so it it might be sort of the tip of the iceberg. So did you say... (laughs) Because, I'm not laughing at Because she was a Conservative supporter, you didn't want to press charges in case she lost her vote. Is that, I think that might have is that, something to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear, Anne, you weren't that desperate for votes, were I, you? I was a lot younger. OK. 
but you, but yes, you raise an interesting point that perhaps more attacks take place that that don't get reported to the police. Exactly, but I think anyone would be staggered by the cost of it's around probably over three million pounds a year. It's a huge, um, obviously, call on NHS resources to deal with these. Uh, you mentioned the assistance dog attacks. We know that attacks on uh, horses are worrying both the, the horses and indeed the riders, uh, and could be potentially very dangerous. But we've called for a more comprehensive review of the legislation. So many of the dog charities do believe that this is a missed opportunity. So we're going to debate the report today. We're going to watch as the legislation goes through uh, and see if it is improved. And if not, we may even come up with amendments of our own. One final question, uh, Anne. Uh, A lot of people have said it's the responsibility of the dog owners. Well, my colleague uh, after nine o'clock, JVS, is asking, how do you stop morons owning dogs? Well, we live in a free country. I think the microchipping will go some way uh, towards this. But can I just say, when we had dog licensing, only 50% of dog owners licensed. So microchipping isn't going to be the whole answer. I think all of us as members of the public have a role to play. The police have a role to play. Local authorities have a role to play. And we've got to monitor how dogs are being treated and how dogs behave. And let me talk to you. Thank you very much for coming on. That's uh, Conservative MP Anne McIntosh, who chairs the Environment, Food and Rural Affairs Select Committee, and she uh, allowed herself to be attacked by a dog once to secure a vote. <laughs> I think that's an exclusive. Ah, we should go to the papers with that. Bless. I, I, it, it, it does raise a serious point that there are probably more attacks that are taking place that, that don't get reported to the police. Because you think, oh, it's a, it's a dog attack. The police won't be interested in that. I'll keep my mouth shut. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Give me a call. All dogs should be muzzled. That's my, that's my theory. When they're out and about, even the tiny ones, they should be muzzled. And uh, if you want to continue the conversation after nine, JVS is asking, as you heard there, how do you stop morons from owning dogs? He raises a good point. You do so. There, and there are some wonderful dog owners, of course there are, who love their animals, who look after them, who respect them, who, who train them, who, who do all these things. But you do see some horrible scummy people with their tracksuits around their knees, walking their big vicious dogs that are rather unpleasant. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. There are still delays coming to the Black Cat roundabout along the A1, starting to slow up a bit as well along the Bromham Road in Bedford. It's looking quite busy toward Ashburnham Road. A602 in Stevenage, heavy traffic coming toward the A1M. And looking at the M25, you've got queues into and through the roadworks and coming down from Kings Langley to the M40. A1 into London, Borehamwood down to Mill Hill, looking very slow as well. And on the trains and tubes, no problems. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Right, 8.16. It's uh, Thursday, the 13th of June. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Thames Valley Police have launched an investigation following the discovery of a body at a house near Aylesbury. A group of MPs is urging the government to take tougher action against the owners of dangerous dogs. In sport, Andy Murray will resume his second round match against Nicholas Mahou at Queen's this morning, leading by a set after play was suspended yesterday. Ooh, the tension. Coming up, airport strikes. There's a call for the EU Commission to remove air traffic controllers' right to strike. BBC Three Counties Radio. (laughs) 
Every Saturday morning from nine, we play your favourite musical memories. Chris, we have Helen Shapiro lined up for you. Why Helen Shapiro? She came to our church a couple of years ago to do a gospel concert. Absolute dynamite. Plus the songs you haven't heard for years. I was married in 1969. I believe it came out in 1969. Nick in Hitchin says, uh, Justin Wired for sound. What a guilty pleasure. I cannot sing, Cliff Richard. Justin Dealey. Every Saturday morning from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, a leg kick. Oh, I've done myself a mischief. You all right? Oh, I've, I've something that's separated that should oh. not be separated. It's not oh. been separated for 39 years, 40 <laughs> years these days. <laughs> it's Jonathan Vernon Smith. Ow. Just leaving some pause so we can cut that. We'll use that frequently on the show. <laughs> How are you, JVS? I'm all right. Why have you got a one lone Jaffa cake Well, because here? the production team said, oh, we've had Jaffa cakes this morning. Do you want the last one? Yeah, thanks, ah. guys. Yeah, I'll have the last one. Thanks, guys. Thanks for that, guys. That's my production team. You shouldn't eat chocolate on it. It gives you a claggy mouth. I, I, yes, I'm aware of that. That's why I'm saving it for later. Quite right, too. Nice little bit of uh, clag. I, I've been enjoying your show a lot recently. Uh, dare I say it? You're on fire at the moment. Ooh. You are on fire. Thanks. Yes, I, I'm, I'm saying that. I can't remember what I enjoyed yesterday. <laughs> no, but I did. I know. It sounds really weird. But there were several bits. I, there, there was a bit in the office. We turned it up uh, and uh, listened. And uh, But I can't remember what these bits were. And there was a bit in the consumer hour. Oh. Well, it was all good. It was all good. What was the old lady you, you, you were dealing with in the consumer hour yesterday? There was, uh, there was Well, I was dealing with a young lady and her pet sitter. Is that the... Uh... Is that the the case you're referring to? <laughs> it's a bit rude, isn't it, about my listeners? Well, she was that old lady. She's not old. I've met her. She's not old. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I'm You got what it was from the description. Oh, I was the guy who spoke to one woman yesterday. <laughs> She's not old. How old is she? I don't know. She's about. I, I'm not going to go into how old she is on the air. She's in her... I don't know, probably in her 40s. <laughs> she, she sounds like she's in her 70s. It's very rude. A lot of people say I sound like I'm in my 80s. <laughs> You're not? What? I'm not. Well, she's led a life then. <laughs> uh, but... A, <laughs> How rude, honestly. What a, what a cracking story, though. For those who don't, don't know, it's a lady, she's gone away on holiday, she's got a few dogs, one is an epileptic, and she uh, got a dog sitter. Was, was, that, was that a sympathetic tone going through? <laughs> what the hell was that? It should be muzzled. One of them was an epileptic. <laughs> Are you all right? Poor dog. She, well, so one of them is an epileptic dog, yes. um, and uh, she had problems with the gentleman who came to look after the dog well she alleges he drank all her booze and let the dogs poo all over the place and was getting bullied by the builder yes so it's a very serious complaint Did it? oh gosh I'd, I'd further conversations with that company yesterday afternoon it didn't end very well are you going to be talking about it today um possibly tomorrow because okay. i need to speak to the landlord in the village oh, where susan lives because the landlord apparently saw this pet sitter coming in and getting sloshed every lunchtime so I need to go and speak to him this afternoon. Yes. And find out what's going on. More on that case tomorrow. <laughs> what about... I'm really sorry. I'm so, I'm so enjoying your show at the moment. What about... This? It's like you've got comedy ones. What about the, the, the people who are doing the painting and the, the bottom of the paint fell off? Why is that funny as well? Why are you finding all my poor <laughs> listeners' complaints funny? They're not funny. Drawing their carpet. 
<laughs> Look at you laughing. What's wrong? I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is terrible. It's terrible, and I don't know. What, you not... wouldn't like it, would it? <laughs> your carpet. <laughs> Well, it's, but that was, a, I mean, that was, I don't know why I'm laughing, you're making, oh my what's God, going you, on with you? I'm going hysterical. <laughs> it was a very serious complaint uh, about they opened a tub of paint. Stop laughing, it's not funny. Poor couple. They opened a tub he of paint. He opened a... <laughs> the bottom fell out. They went all down the stairs. There's a picture on Twitter. That's not funny. It looks terrible. That's it's ruined their carpet. The carpet is, that carpet is. Yeah. yeah. That carpet is ruined. Yeah. There's nothing. Like, I'm so sorry. What's going on with you? I do, you're in a funny mood. I'm so sorry. Poor <laughs> <laughs> uh, family in their carpet. That's all I can think about. So anyway, I look forward. I look forward to um, hearing. <laughs> the carpet's ruined. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine. <laughs> you said. Did he have a did he have a dad strop? And she went, No, I was in the garden and I just heard this loud scream. I bet you did. I bet you did. Well I was just thinking of my dad, because things like that happened to my dad. And my dad would have a dad strop. He'd have to go for a walk up the road to calm down. Do you know what I mean? My dad was always spilling paint all over the place. I have spilt paint and get, even getting a tiny bit of paint. It's off. a devil, you can't get it out of anything. A whole tub of it. <laughs> Stop laughing! It's their carpet. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to that couple, and to uh, everybody involved. What's on your show today, Jonathan? Coming up on the big phone in this morning, we're uh, picking up on this dog issue. I'm asking, how do we stop morons owning dogs? Today, MPs will discuss how we stop dog attacks. Anne McIntosh is the MP in charge of dog policy. I know you were talking to her a little earlier. She says that dogs will only behave as they're taught to behave. So it's the irresponsible morons in society who refuse to properly train and control their pets that the government are worried about. So how do we stop those morons owning dogs 08459 455 555 from 9 I want your call sit <laughs> call 08459 455 555 BBC Three Counties Radio I'm going to play another one next across beds hearts and bucks this is Ian Lee BBC Sorry. Three Counties Radio yep so, that, that is what a breakdown feels like. Okay, now I know what an emotional breakdown feels like. I've got it. I'm sorted. Uh, bad customer service. I had a little incident in... A, I don't even know. I've got to look this way. I can't look at Jonathan Vernon-Smith anyway. He's a very naughty man. I, in a shop yesterday, I wanted to buy a Mars bar. I only had £10 on me. The woman got very annoyed that I only gave had £10. Oh, really? Is that all you've got? <sighs> OK. She had lots of change in her till. She made a point of giving me some of the change in 50s, which I was not happy about. And she counted out £5 worth of change and took a long time to do it. I said, I, I did give you £10. Yes, I know. I'm getting there. Oh, it's annoyed me. Colin in Dunstable, it's annoyed me. I'm not surprised. It's only a small thing. In the great scheme of things, there are, I've had worse customer service, worse things have happened. But it just... I walked out of that shop, what should have been a fun experience, buying a sweetie, turned into... In, made it very sour. Mm, I'm, not, I'm not sure that um, 
buying a Mars bar is a great experience, but oh, the, it's, uh, it's a bit of fun. What, what, what's your take on this, Colin, about customer service? Um, well, I just think it's the training. Um, I used to do some service demonstration work. Um, service service ago. demonstration work. Sales. Oh, demonstration. okay. Oh, sales, right? Yes. Uh, where I had to demonstrate the articles um, for customers. And I, I find that nobody knows what they're talking about now. You knew your product inside out, did you, Colin? I had to. Yes. You do, you're right. Uh, well, listen, we're moving on just so I want to get some more voices on. You're, you're right. The worst thing is when you go into these electrical shops and you're, you're served by a spotty teenager. Doesn't even know what a VHS is, let alone a Betamax. It, does, it annoys me. Thank you for that, Colin. 08459 455 555. Now, a majority, uh, sorry, a major operator at Luton Airport is calling for the EU Commission to remove air traffic controllers' right to strike after recent industrial action in France. Ryanair says it's grossly unfair that thousands of passengers have had their plans disrupted as a result of Europe being held to ransom by a tiny number of French air traffic controllers. They were striking against EU plans to create a single European airspace. Well, I'm joined now by Robin Keeley from Ryanair. Uh, Robin, surely these um, air traffic controllers were striking because they're concerned about safety? No, that's not the case. They were concerned about themselves. It's uh, almost an in-joke in the airline industry that the French air traffic controllers add an extra two days to their holidays every year with these uh, these strikes and, and cancellations. They had a widespread effect across Europe, across many airlines and across many countries, and they was deliberately timed to coincide with the busiest time of the year. So at the end of the day, it's Europe's passengers that actually suffer from the actions of a tiny few. And Robin, are you, are you concerned about the, the passengers' holidays being disrupted, or are you more concerned about the, the costs to Ryanair? No, of course we're concerned about the passengers' holidays being, being cancelled. We have to re-accommodate all of those passengers, and it's not fair on those people who booked with us many months ago. We had to cancel 600 flights over two days, and many of those flights didn't even go in and out of France. The fact was that these air traffic controllers actually practically closed the airspace over France, so flights that actually had to go through French airspace were also affected. As a result, there's around 90,000 passengers, or, or, or even figure, a figure bigger than that, that have had to try and uh, rearrange their plans. We've tried to get as many of those uh, passengers onto flights that are you know, as near as we can to, to where they want to go, or maybe they've had to wait a couple of days to go on to their final journey. Luckily today, they've, the French have finally gone back to work. We haven't had any cancellations so far and only a handful of flight delays. But there, there may more than likely will be delays at airports uh, for passengers, given the massive tailback in flights and, uh, and passengers waiting to get on to, to new flights and rearranged flights. Our, our message to passengers, we apologise to them sincerely for the, the uh, inconvenience caused. It's beyond our control. We're doing all we can to reaccommodate them. And anyone who has had their flight cancelled can log on to the Ryanair.com website. Uh, where informa- they'll find information on rebooking a flight or uh, they're entitled to a full refund. Well, so, so people who, who did book but couldn't travel, they will get a, a full refund, will they? Of course, yes, they will indeed. Uh, there's a list of flights that were affected on, on Tuesday and Wednesday on our website. If your flight was one of those affected, information is there. You can click and, re- and uh, apply for a full refund or you can click to uh, have your flight rebooked and, and try and continue on with your holiday as best as possible. And, and would you agree that you, you want... Uh, it, it made illegal for air traffic control- controllers to strike? Absolutely. I mean, they're holding your, it's, it's such a small number of people that are holding Europe to ransom can, and can affect thousands of passengers across Europe. There were up to 2,000 flights cancelled across Europe yesterday. And it's not fair on those people who 
who, through no fault of their own, have missed their holidays and are out of pocket. In the US, it's actually illegal for air traffic controllers to go on strike, meaning that the US airspace can never be shut down like this. And also, many of Europe's armies and police forces are prevented from, from uh, striking by law. So, again, we'd reiterate our call to the EU to take action and do something here for its citizens. And, and finally, uh, um, uh, Robin, have we heard any more? Will there be any more strikes? At the moment, the French ATC workers went back to work today. Now, that's not saying they couldn't pull a stunt like this again today or over the next couple of weeks. Um, they've seen the effect that their actions have caused, so maybe, you know, we're not sure if, if they'll actually act again. In Greece today, there's due to be a two-hour uh, work stoppage by ATC workers as part of the national strike there. It'll affect approximately 20 of our flights there. Again, if we have any cancellations or delays, all information will be posted on the Ryanair.com website. So we just ask passengers to just be aware there may be further complications today. Apart from that, we're running as uh, normal a service as possible, and hopefully over the next couple of days, the backlog of passengers who need to get to and from their destinations will start to clear. Robin Keeley uh, from Ryanair, thank you very much. I go to Greece quite often for my holidays. We have family over there. I always leave kind of a couple of days after I come back a couple of days earlier than I need to just to make sure because they're always on strike over there. yeah I do I do it's like I'm going to, to uh, Greece this year going to Zakynthos going to come back on the Friday I'm, I'm not back at work until the Tuesday but you never know what the Greek air traffic control are going to do Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Definitely getting busier out there. The A1, we've still got the queues coming from St Neots down toward the Black Cat roundabout. It's also looking slow as you continue down towards Sandy into Bedford. There are delays on the Bromham Road eastbound. It's slow moving from Bramston Way through to Ashburnham Road. A602 in Stevenage, you've got tra- uh, heavy traffic coming down toward the A1M. Then if you're using the A1M, it's slow from Hitchin to Stevenage. And it's looking a little bit slow on the A602 as you continue off toward Ware as well on the eastbound side. Uh, some delays in toward Bletchley and Milton Keynes on the A421. It's also quite busy on the 4146 from Stoke Hammond up toward uh, sort of the Fenny Stratford area. Looking a little bit busy on the A5 through Dunstable around the A505 junctions. Berkhamstead not looking too bad this morning but there are delays from Amersham down toward the M25 and Denham on the A413 and it's looking slow down toward the M40 on the A355. We've also got queuing traffic on the A10 through Chesant all the way down toward the M25 and your M25 queues anti-clockwise. Waltham Abbey into the roadwork section so toward Potter's Bar and the A1M and then from Kings Langley through to the M40 junction 20 to 16. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks Adam, we'll have more from you in 15 minutes but now 8.31, here's the news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Headlines. Thames Valley Police have launched an investigation following the discovery of a body at a house in Quainton near Aylesbury. A Luton teenager will appear before magistrates later charged with possession of a sawn-off shotgun and a group of MPs is urging the government to take tougher action against the owners of dangerous dogs. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Andy Murray.
Curry will resume his second round match against Nicolas Maou at Queen's this morning, led by a set after play was suspended yesterday. Uh, leading by a set after play was suspended yesterday. The winner of the match is likely to also have to play the third round tie today. The former Davis Cup captain John Lloyd says while it's not an ideal scenario for Murray, it's a workload he'll be able to manage. He's got to get through the first one, which is not going to be easy, but he was hitting the ball so well yesterday in the brief time that we saw him and hopefully he'll get through that uh, and win the second set and then play another match. It's not a lot of tennis for him anyway, to be honest. I mean, he's used to playing five-set matches. He just needs to get some matches and hopefully today the weather will cooperate a little bit more. The British and Irish Lions have named a strong side to face New South Wales Waratahs in Sydney on Sunday, uh, on Saturday. Winger Simon Zebo will make his Lions debut, while Tour captain Sam Warburton will lead the team. And after sitting out of the midweek victory over a combined country 15, Warburton says he's raring to go. I always think the more games I have, the better I intend to play. It's a lot about getting your time in around the breakdown and in, in attack and defence. So the more games you play, um, you know, within reason, obviously, you know, the more you pick up a feel for the compact area and the speed of the game. So, um, yeah, looking forward to this Saturday. It was a good run out, I thought, last week. Good for the lungs and uh, looking forward to it. Finally, football. Wickham Wanderers midfielder Matt Bloomfield says he's optimistic about being fit for the start of the season. Bloomfield missed most of the last campaign with a groin injury, but says he's over the worst. I haven't been on holiday this year. I've been... I've been in the gym every day near enough um, since the season finished and you know it's come along really well I'm up and running again and I'm moving about pretty well and I'm pain free for the first time in a long time so I'm really chuffed with all that it's, uh, it's all moving along nicely and that's your latest news and sport I'll be back with more at nine o'clock on FM AM online and digital radio this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio I need, between now and nine o'clock, between now and uh, Jonathan Vernon Smith, uh, I need your stories about uh, poor service, please. Poor service. We've all had it. We've all been in a shop and uh, kind of left scratching our head going, what, sorry, did that, did that just happen? Did that person really do that? 08459 455 555. And also, let's talk about dogs, shall we? Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the big things and the best... No. Dogs. It's going to be debated in the Parliament again today what we can do to stop dangerous dog attacks. I'll tell you what we do. We muzzle all dogs. We muzzle... I, I do have a slight problem with dog owners. In that I do. In that they're slightly naive. I th- Oh, no, my dog would never... My dog would never attack anybody. No, 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 no. My, no, no, my dog... I know my dog. He's one of the family. He'd never attack anybody at all. All dog owners say that. Some dogs, they don't attack. But some dogs do attack, and they attack other dogs, they attack people, they kill people. So let's, let's just muzzle all dogs. When they're out and about, they've got to have a muzzle on. It makes perfect sense. You're naive if you don't think that. 08459 455 555. But before that, poor service. A little bit of a run-in in the shop yesterday. Nothing major. It left, me fe- it, it left a bad taste in my mouth. Well, apparently 88% of people leave shops because of poor service. That's the result of a poll by UK shop, uh, of UK shoppers by Market Force, a retail analyst company based in Milton Keynes. 
Justin Dealey has been hearing some of your experiences. Now, Justin, we constantly um, uh, get bad service from you. From you, yeah. But yet we still keep going back <laughs> to you because you, you've obviously got some dirt on the boss. Yes, you, yes, you've absolutely. You've got some, a watertight contract that we can't get, get out is of. Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah. Right. 88% those figures. No wonder the high streets are dying if 88% of people are walking out of shops because yep. of bad service. Incredible. Well, earlier we spoke to Rose. Now, somebody swore at her in a shop, so she got in contact with Trading Standards. Here's somebody else. This lady, she was furious about her chicken Caesar salad. Take a listen to this. Madam, you've been on the receiving end of bad customer service. Tell us what happened with your chicken Caesar salad. Well, I ordered a Caesar salad that on the menu said it was made with romaine lettuce. When it arrived, it actually came with iceberg lettuce, which I absolutely hate. You must have been disgusted. I I sent it back, okay? And, uh, yeah, sent it back, and the uh, restaurant manager came in and apologised, said that the uh, lettuce hadn't arrived today, and, of course, I could order anything else on the menu that I liked free of charge. So it worked, complaining. It worked, yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Would you always complain? Always complain, yeah. okay, in a nice way. There are, di- there are different types of lettuce? Yeah, apparently what? so. You, you can hear the anger in her voice. They came that, up with that, the wrong lettuce. Get me the manager now. Where is he? That was a very high-class complaint, wasn't <laughs> it? The it's wrong brilliant. lettuce. I would, well, I wouldn't have recognised. And I, no. I, to be honest, I don't think that is bad customer service. I think that's excellent customer <laughs> service. She flagged it up, and the chat came out and said, I'm very sorry, you can have whatever you want. Yeah, I know, but she asked for a specific type of lettuce to start with, and yes. that didn't arrive the first time. Have now, you spoken to anybody who works in a shop? Yes, and I, I was quite suspicious about this, because um, I can't imagine... Imagine you going into a shop and being all polite. I just can't see no, it No, I personally. am. I am. I get very angry. I can't. Listen, on, on the radio, I'm, I'm Barry Big Boots, yeah. and I can give it out large. Mm. Face to face, oh no. Yes, sir. No, sir. Three bags full, sir. You see, I can't imagine her being rude to you if you weren't rude to her, but there you go. Um, I've spoken to somebody who works in a shop Ouch. this morning. She kind of backs up that suspicion. Listen to this, Ian. Oh, oh, dear. Now, madam, you actually work in a shop. Would you go along with the cliche that the customer is always right? No. Because sometimes they're so like rude. I was going to say, we've heard Ian's story today about staff being rude to him. Are the customers, nine times out of ten, rude to you then? Yes. Just rude and unpleasant towards you? Yeah, just haven't got no manners. Manners cost nothing. How does that make you feel? Well, I was brought up with manners. And I expect somebody, I always say to them, well, if you say please, I might serve you. Ta-ta. It was you, right, wasn't it? Right. No, no, no. Listen, if, if you say please, I might serve you. Now, no disrespect <laughs> to that lady. She's not here to defend herself. But it's attitudes like that that are, are dragging this country into the ground. If you say please... I might serve you. No, well, no, no, you no. Say no. please. If you ask for anything Correct. in the shop, if, yes. if it was a Mars bar, yep. a, a nice big piece of meat, uh, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, yes. all you've got to say is say please, and then when they offer the goods, you say thank yes. you. Surely I, that's simple, isn't it? I do. I do say please. I do say thank you. But even if I didn't say please, or th- listen, if I was overtly rude, then yes, of course, you have the right, I believe, to, to, to maybe say something. But if I, if you say please, I may say... Have you ever <laughs> been to the United States of America, Justin? <laughs> yes, I have. Oh, it was great. Yeah, the service it, was amazing. Service there isn't—it is literally. When they say, "Oh, it's a pleasure to serve," they mean it. They literally get pleasure from serving you. And when I was in the shop yesterday, I wasn't rude. I offered her a ten-pound note for a, a, a sweetie. 
I reckon you had change in your pocket. I reckon you I were didn't. doing this to wind her up. And I'll tell you what, when I went to America, if I go back again, I would actually pay them. I would actually tip them not to say, have a nice day. Oh, but they mean it when they oh, say that. they so don't. Oh, no, Justin, you're wrong. I, I really think that the Americans, when you're in a shop, they are very friendly. They are very helpful. Not too helpful. Not that thing you get over here where people follow you. Can I help you, sir? No. Can I help me now, sir? No. Can I help you now, sir? I'm wa- I walked out of a, a sofa shop once because I was, I was going to spend big bucks. Yeah. This guy wouldn't leave me alone. In America, they are courteous. They come and say hello. They, they offer help. They, they step back. When you ask for assistance, they give it. And when they say, have a nice day, Justin, they mean it. Do you know what? We should maybe broadcast the programme from America. We did it years ago for our early breakfast show. Why can't we go back to America, BBC Research, to test out customer service, the UK versus the US of A? Okay, I... I that, that is a great idea. I will fly out to the States and you can stay in Luton. <laughs> and, and drive the programme from the studio. Justin. And play with your knobs. Justin, have a nice day. Have a nice day. Well, Annie Shaw is uh, founder of CashQuestions.com. She knows the importance of good customer service. Well, well, I don't know if you heard that last um, person that Justin spoke to, Annie, who said, well, if you say please, I might serve you. Well, I kind of did wonder there how uh, how long that conversation had been going on. I mean, it sounded like that one was pretty pretty wound up, and perhaps the customer had been rude before. And I am very sympathetic to um, to to shop, uh, people in shops who have to suffer abuse from customers because it's absolutely inexcusable. Abu- but, abuse is out of order, and and yes, of course that that is inex- yes, inexcusable. I quite know the history of that, but if that was just her attitude then I think that's a very bad attitude. And I think that 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 is really the problem with customer service. It's to do with training uh, and company culture and the attitude of staff. How do the the Americans get it right where we don't? Because it it is, for most places in America, it's literally a pleasure for them to serve you. I think it probably is is corporate culture. I think it's also probably their culture as well. Um, You know, it's a a kind of a a different way that that, uh, they deal with. Uh, with each other anyway but I think um, it's to do with corporate culture and training I have noticed in uh, many uh, companies in the UK which perhaps have a, a UK a US parent they are much more strict on the training you know, it's, you, you can see it you know, with the uniforms that the staff wear their presentation they, they, they're much more strict on it but that aside I think it's really important for companies to have a good attitude towards their customers companies cannot now you know, from the smallest corner shop to the biggest multiples cannot afford to have an attitude like we don't care if you come buy our stuff because someone else will if you won't they really need every customer now in the way that they you know the way that the economy is going and so it's, it's very important that they, i would say the customer is always right but they do have to have regard to customer needs and in that restaurant thing i think that that restaurant owner or the manager who it was had absolutely the right attitude mm. to replace that customer's um salad when it wasn't the right one but how much better to sort of explained it before to say uh, you know that either the salad's not off, you know the salad's off or we have replaced the lettuce to make sure the customer uh, I suspect they were hoping that no one would be a lettuce connoisseur and no would not notice really I can't, I can't be doing an iceberg lettuce and taste of anything well, I didn't know there were different types of oh lettuce my goodness yes well I mean I think we're going to go to gardening program here so <laughs> perhaps not but anyway but people do, if, if, you know, if something is described as something then the person has yes, the right of to receive what they've ordered but uh, the point being that 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 manager absolutely took command of the situation and and dealt with it properly to make that customer happy so that they will go back again because if you're just trying to do a one-off sale you know and, and you, know, the, you know rip off the customer and you don't care if they come back because you can always get another one you know that's well that's fine that's your pretty poor business model but in a, in a, a culture now where we have to you, you do want repeat customers you want 
shops and um, retailers, restaurants, everybody want people to go back. So it's absolutely essential that you you some, them well. Some places try a little too hard. I noticed that some supermarkets have, uh, they've obviously had like a, a, a training uh, for their till staff on how to have a nice conversation. And when I'm packing my bags in a supermarket, I don't want some kid going, you having a good day so far? How's, how's, how's well, things going? I don't want know. that. I think they have to know when to stop. Yes. I think it is, it is that thing about, you know, keep a smile on your face. You don't want to look, look you know, false and things. But I think it is important to start out. And then they say, you can see no response. It's like, the, do you want help with your bags? You know, you, always, you feel this is intrusive. I can manage my own shopping bag. Thank you. But then there will be some elderly person who doesn't want help with their bags. So it's good that they ask. But they have to know when to back off if you're clearly not responding, I think. And also as well, you, you get to, some people... In fact, most people working in shops don't know what they're selling. The, the example I always use is in electrical shops, uh, where you get a 17-year-old kid trying to sell you a TV, and you're asking vaguely technical questions. Oh, I don't know, mate. Well, you have to remember, again, in a shop, for instance, they will have, for instance, a lot of people just be going in to buy batteries or, or something like that. So they will have inexperienced staff. They'll have trainee staff. They'll have staff who are you know, a lower grade of staff. But they have to know to then escalate that up to somebody who does know to say, I'll just get Mr. Jones over to, Mm. you know, who who can explain all the technical details to you. You know, that's, again, that's to do with training and the corporate culture. If they just say, well, we'll sell any old telly and they can blag them off with any old stuff. That's really not very satisfactory. And no one's going to go back to that. They're not going to recommend it to their friends. And we know that there are shops like that who have now gone to the wall. And, you know, no surprise. Annie Shaw, uh, founder of CashQuestions.com and Lettuce Connoisseur. Indeed. I didn't know there were more types of lettuce. I'm shocked this is the, the thing I'm taking home with me this morning. There are different types of lettuce. Iceberg is not the best. And some uh, uh, women, I imagine it's only women, can tell the difference in lettuce. It's incredible, isn't it? Thank you, Annie. Uh, 08459 455 555 is the phone number. We've got 15 minutes if you want to give us a call about that. Or muzzling dogs. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still looking pretty decent out there on the trains and tubes. We haven't had any major issues this morning, no signal failures or any disruption, so it's still looking all right. On the roads, we've got delays now on the M1 southbound. It's slow moving from Newport Pagnell down toward Milton Keynes at Junction 14. And further down on the southbound side, we've had a call from Owen, who says that two lanes are closed on the southbound M1 following an accident with a car and a lorry involved at the Toddington services. So it's the inside two lanes, one and two, that are shut at the minute. Thank you, Owen, for giving us the call. Bromham Road through Bed- now that's slow moving from the Branson Way down toward Ashburnham Road. You've got the usual delays building on the A1 southbound from St Neots through to the Black Cat Roundabout and pretty slow through Sandy as well. A1M southbound is busy from Hitchin to Stevenage and if you're continuing all the way into London on the A1 there are queues through Borehamwood from the Holiday Injunction to Mill Hill. A10 very busy through Chesant toward the M25. Park Street Roundabout's looking quite slow this morning and then on the M25 you've got heavy traffic through the roadworks starting at Waltham Abbey Junction 26 and then you've also got queues from Watford to the M40 Junction 19 to 16. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you Adam, we'll get more from you just before 9 o'clock. It's 8.46, it's Thursday the 13th of June. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Thames Valley Police have launched an investigation following the discovery of a body at a house near Aylesbury. 
A Luton teenager will appear before magistrates later charged with possession of a sawn-off shotgun. In sport, Andy Murray will resume his second-round match against Nicholas Mahu at Queen's this morning, leading by a set after play was suspended yesterday. Coming up, if you own a dog, you should muzzle it. It's the only responsible thing to do. 08459 555. Let's get the weather. Here's Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. It's going to be very windy indeed today, a very blustery day with those winds peaking as we head through the afternoon. Possibly some gusts of up to 40, even 50 miles per hour, most likely, I think, over the tops of the hills. To start the day off, well, we've got lots of cloud around, a bit of brightness actually towards parts of Buckinghamshire at the moment. Um, it will gradually improve as we head through the day. Just watch out for the strength of the winds, particularly dangerous, of course, because the trees are in full leaf at the moment. But there will be some brightness and some sunshine through this afternoon. Watch out for the chance of one or two light showers in places though but many places are going to stay dry with a few sunny spells around uh, but just some very strong winds temperatures up to 17 or 18 degrees celsius 64 in fahrenheit but it will feel cooler and fresher than that obviously because of the winds um, but the wind will gradually ease down overnight and um, through um, the night tonight it's looking dry there'll be lots of clear spells temperatures locally as low as perhaps uh, six or seven degrees celsius so quite a chilly start to the day tomorrow but mostly dry and bright again watch out for the chance of one or two showers around for the weekend well Saturday's looking like the better looking day mostly dry and bright with some sunshine still rather windy uh, by the time we get to Sunday though it's rain back in the forecast that's the weather thank you Elizabeth Nick Coffer across beds, hearts and bucks. On Friday afternoon, I'll be donning my Speedos and trying out some summer activities at the Hitchin Swimming Centre. Nick Coffer. I'll be getting fully kitted out to become a beekeeper, clowning around by learning some circus tricks. There'll be live music. Plus, I'll be learning all about a local lavender farm. Nick Coffer. Live from the Hitchin Swimming Centre, Friday afternoon from midday. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Today, MPs will again debate an issue that we don't seem to be able to solve. Dog attacks. I've got the solution. You muzzle them. You muzzle all of them. They say no risks. All dogs are wild animals at heart. Let's muzzle them, shall we? That stops the problem completely. Well, Karina Collins works at Hula Animal Rescue in Apsley, guys. Good morning, Karina. Good morning. Let's muzzle dogs, shall we? Um... Perhaps that's an idea in principle, but long term, how would you police that? How would you ensure that everybody kept their dogs muzzled? There's so many dog owners and so many dogs. I think it would be um, impractical to police that. So I think we need to look at other things to address the problem. Well, it's not. It's not. Compl- we'll listen to the other ideas in a second. But if you see a dog owner with a dog out and about in the park and they're not muzzled, uh, call the police. The police uh, will find that dog and uh, take it off them. So if, if in effect, how, how are the police going to actually have enough manpower to actually, um, well. to actually work with that? Because there will be a lot of people um, that would not muzzle their dogs, and it, I think it would be not pointless, but it would be very difficult to police it. Well, as Richard says, muzzle dogs in public, easy, cheap, simply, uh, simple and visible. And that's the thing, it is visible, isn't it? But what solutions have you got, Karina? What, what would you suggest we can do? I, I truly believe one of the things that we need to look at is the other end of the lead. By that, I mean the education of owners, the education of owners as to what is not acceptable and what is acceptable. What's unacceptable in your eyes? What's unacceptable is having a dog off the lead, whatever the breed, and not, not, not being in control by the owner. What's also unacceptable is people walking along and letting their dogs approach your dog um, without checking to see whether that's 
that's possible. Um, and actually not controlling their dog correctly um, by using by having it on a lead in a public place. You're right about that. I often see that where, where like someone's got a big, massive dog and they, they want to go off and sniff a tiny little thing. And you can quite often see the owner of the small dog looking terrified. Or vice versa. Yeah. Or vice versa. I, I can give you an example. I was walking along a high street um, on Saturday with my Staffordshire Bull Terrier, um, and in in a shop was was a gentleman that had five dogs five dogs on extendable leads. They all flew out of the shop recess onto my Staffordshire Bull Terrier, who was walking along minding his own business. To me, that was irresponsible dog ownership. Why do people own dogs like Staffies? Because they're not very attractive, are they? And they are vicious things. Uh, not at all. I don't agree with that at all. People own dogs because they like dogs to be part of the family. Um, I don't think it's fair to make a sweeping generalisation about one breed. A lot of people love Staffies. Unfortunately, Staffies have become a victim of their own success in that they've been very much overbred. And sometimes they're owned by the wrong type of people that aren't prepared to put time into puppy classes, the socialisation and training of their of their animal. And that's not just Staffies. And of course, the, the, the training of, of the animal and respecting the animal it, it is part of it. But that it, it, it is an animal. A dog is an animal. And you can never be 100% certain your dog isn't going to attack, can you? You are quite right. A dog, any breed of dog, is an animal. When I just heard the report there of the gentleman suggesting to your reporter that he hit his dog... Go on, slap him, slap him. wouldn't react. Yes. It's absolutely outrageous. Yes. We do have to remember that they're dogs. We do have to remember that we're responsible for them. And we need to train our dogs to be responsible... To be, uh, and be responsible with our dogs to check that they are well socialised, that they've attended... But even with the training and socialisation, there is still only a certain amount of control that you can have over a dog. That, that you, never, you can never be 100%, can you, that a dog's not going to attack? The same way as you can never be 100% about a human. Um, well, that argument... No, no, no you, I was with you until then, Karina. That argument doesn't quite no, it stand does. up. You can't trust... You can't, you, you can't trust all humans. You certainly, you, you can put things in place with your dog to make sure that it's... I would, le- I would leave most things. humans alone uh, in a room for two minutes with my child. I would never leave a dog in a room for two minutes with my child. I don't think anyone should leave a dog un- unattended. With people do, though, don't they? Exactly, and I've heard people saying, oh, my, my children jump over my dog and he doesn't do anything. Well, you're actually setting the dog up to fail by allowing that behaviour to happen. Karina Collins, thank you very much. Uh, Hula Animal Rescue in Apsley, guys, is where she works. Um, I, I was with Karina. I was with Karina. I th- thought she put forward a strong argument until the line about the humans. Of course, you could never completely trust humans, but that's sort of irrelevant. Um, Janet's in Great Hormy. Good morning, Janet. Good morning. Let's muzzle all dogs. Well, I agree. I mean, I've got three German Shepherds. Oh, I my don't goodness. muzzle them at the moment when they walk because they don't get walked all together. And secondly, they're fine. But if the government bought it in, I'd have no problem. The problem I have is when people constantly put a comparison with humans. It's the owner's fault. It's this fault. Mm. You know, get a grip. They're animals. Yep. That's it. They're, they're, they're animals. And however domesticated they are, they have that natural instinct inside of them. You can never tame. Of course you can't. And that is why we never walk our dogs together. Because one of them is powerful enough. But if you've got three, I could never handle three of them. That's why they get walked separately. Janet, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Don't take offence, will you? No. Are you a moron? 
I don't think so. No, I just I tell you why, because <laughs> after nine, JVS is asking, how do we stop morons from owning dogs? And I, I suspected you weren't. I'm glad to find out you aren't. <laughs> but he's got a good point, hasn't he? There are some dog owners are. that are morons. Yeah, it's like when people say that my little Jack Russell wouldn't do this. And you always, it's the way the animal is brought up. Now, my dogs have been brought up. They're all been vaccinated. They're all chipped. They've all been socialised. But like you, hand on my heart, I could never, ever say that my dog would never attack being in an environment. We live out in the country, and I've got one dog that particularly barks if somebody walks at the, in the field. Yes. And she can bark, and the other two do not take any notice. But if the dog gets nearer and she changes her tone of her bark, then all three of them will start barking. So how would I do that if they were in a field and going to attack? Very quickly, Janet, I don't know if you heard, I think it was Tricia who we spoke to earlier on, yeah. who is a grandmother. She lets her 18-month-old play with her big dog and pull it and, and do all kinds of things. Well, she's going to be somebody that's going to be in the news, very, may, maybe. Yeah. But that dog's attacked, because that dog will only take so much of it. Supposing that dog doesn't feel very well. You know yourself, if you've got a headache or don't feel well, and your children come near, you say, go, go away a minute, I've got a headache. We can tell them that the only defence that dog is, is to bite. Well, Janet, let's hope it doesn't come to that, Patricia. I certainly wouldn't wish that at all, but I, I would be very anxious about letting an 18-month-old play with a dog of any size and pull it and, and prod it and do all kinds of things to it. You just don't know. By the way, why don't you all go and get cats? Get rid of your dogs. Get cats. Cats are much better than dogs. Anyway, this is an argument for another day. Uh, customer service. April's in Luton. Good morning, April. Good morning. You, you now, have you, have you given bad customer service? You work in the service industry, don't you? Uh, um, I don't... I'm not customer-facing anymore, thank God. Did you get taken off for being really rude to them? No. No. When, okay. I, was, when I was doing A-levels, I used to have a part-time job, like most people with A-levels. Yeah. Um, and I used to work at Waitrose. And they actually do train people. They t- they they have a specific standard. The serv- like service in Waitrose, excellent. Yeah, yep. excellent so, service. You know, it's always madam. It's always uh, it's always please may I help. Please can I help you and all of that. Later on in life, um, when I was a bit short of money, um, I went to work at a local cop on a Saturday job, a little part-time job just to earn yeah. some extra money. And being had, having been trained at Waitrose, I'd always employed that. Yeah. that mentality and I actually had one lady one morning um, have a go at me for always being too polite all because sorry? I had said please excuse me madam she, so, hang on sorry this woman complained because you were too polite yes she never shopped in that store after that <laughs> I was in tears oh no April so what, what can you remember what the, what the final thing was you said to her that, that, that caused Literally, her to all it was is um, I, was, I was at a checkout yeah. and she was in the queue behind me the till behind me and uh, the co-op have a policy that if a customer wanted cigarettes you could get them for them from the kiosk right and the customer I was serving wanted some cigarettes so I needed to get out of my till yeah and I just said um, please excuse me madam that was it and that was it and she yeah. did, did she say anything there and then um, as we were both walking t- out, which was towards the kiosk, um, she then said, I don't know how you can be polite to people all of the time. Nobody can do it all of the time. And I, I can't. That's true, I, I can't. No, I bet. I bet you've got a potty mouth on you at times, April. And she, and she walked out and she never came back. I've never seen her in that store again. And, oh, April, and you cried. I did. I was in tears for the rest of the morning. Oh, you sensitive soul, you. Well, April, listen, have a nice day. And you too. Thank you. There we go. Oh, poor April.
customer complained because she was too polite and then refused to ever come back to... Well, that says it all, I think. I would love to have been served by April. I would have moved out of her way at a moment's notice. If she'd asked me like that, I would have done. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Southbound M1, slow moving from Newport Pagnell toward Milton Keynes, and we've got confirmation now that two lanes are indeed closed off southbound because of an accident with a car and a lorry involved as you go past the Toddington services. The inside two lanes are the ones that are shut and traffic is definitely looking slow past there. A1, still busy on the speed sensors as you come from St Neots down toward the Black Cat roundabout. It looks like most of the queues through Sandy now have eased off though. A1M, you'll find delays from Hitchin towards Stevenage. It's quite slow on the A1 into London, still through Borehamwood from the Holiday Injunction down toward Mill Hill. The A10 hasn't eased off yet this morning through Chesant down toward the M25. And if you're joining the M25, the anti-clockwise carriageway first off delays through the roadworks at Enfield Potter's Bar. And then we've got queues that start at Watford at Junction 19. And you could find yourself in slow-moving traffic all the way around to the M3 at Junction 12. So it's definitely slow there this morning. Trains and tubes not causing any problems. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Right, that's it from me. Back tomorrow at six. What's on tomorrow's show? Only Jamaican bongos. Not only, we've got other stuff, but Jamaican bongos tomorrow. Ta-ta. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Thursday morning and on today's big phone-in, how do we stop morons owning dogs? Today, MPs will...